there, geeks. I'm Kevin Andrew Rivera. And I'm Raul Ceballos. You're listening to Real Geek News. A monthly podcast where we geek out about movies, TV, and streaming. We got a month's worth of news to talk about, so without further ado, let's get geeky. Raul, I watched The Godfather. Because we we gotta we're, we're, we gotta go back to our end of the video podcast episode of episode one, right? So yes, movie of the month that you challenged me to watch was The Godfather. Godfather. And I'm, let me give you a quick five minute thoughts of what I thought about this movie. Okay. Um, it was the worst movie ever invented <laughs> on opposite day. You it, shut it's... your mouth, sir. <laughs> no, I I I knew from the beginning that it was gonna be an amazing movie. Uh, yeah. So I went in with, like, I guess tinted glasses, uh, just kind of expecting it to be amazing. And sure mm. enough, it was amazing. So I was, I don't know, I, f- I felt more calm watching a movie like this just because I felt like I could sit back and relax and know it was going to be awesome. Um, yeah. I will, however, say, Raul, that I only watched part one. But I want to okay. watch part two for sure eventually because the the only downside to part one to me was that I felt like I read half a book. And I was like, oh, like, I, I, I feel like it's not over. The story's not yeah. over. And I feel yeah. like I, I got gypped by the end because I was like, wait, he, he's got to do more. Without spoiling it for anybody else listening. But like, he's going he's gonna to do way more. Yeah. What's going on? So I, I definitely want to watch the next one. Like, to me, it feels like it's, it's not a complete movie without part two. And you sure. just got to watch it that way. So... Shame on me for not watching part two like you told me to. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess I, I just assume you didn't have time, right? They're long movies, so. Dude, they are. They're, it was like yeah. two hours and something minutes or 49 yeah. minutes or something like that. Yeah, and I think uh, Godfather 2 is also about as long. Um, yeah, dude, uh, watch two. I mean, you know, whenever you get a chance, watch two. I think, the like I said, the first two Godfathers are like a good, they're good companion pieces back to back. You know. Why did I think you were about to say like a good neighbor? State Farm is there. <laughs> the first two Godfathers are like a good neighbor. You know so, what I mean? Um, kind of like State Farm. There. <laughs> God, like a good neighbor. Godfathers there. Uh, yeah, they're great. Down. They're great. Definitely watch. Um, definitely watch them when you can. Definitely watch it when you can. Now you watched Alita: Battle Angel, correct? Did yes, I actually watched this last night. Oh, okay, uh, I thought I for a second you had to think about it. Like, oh, did I watch it? Oh god! No, 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 no. I watched this last night because I wanted to. I, I want it fresh in my head, Kevin. You know, I wanted. Uh, I want to have my thoughts right out the right off the bat, and I really liked it. I enjoyed it a lot, um, a lot more than I thought it was. Because I remember what this came out in like twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it came out in 2019, and I remember seeing the trailers for it and having just looking at it and being like, eh, you know, I don't know, we'll see. It, yeah, it didn't didn't really interest me, and I never got around to watching it. Um, but uh, but I actually really enjoyed it, and and I think I think I looking up the movie, I researched that it was uh, it didn't do very well in the box office. Yeah, it actually was considered a flop, wasn't it? Yeah, so I th- I think the movie the movie was like two hundred and sixty million dollars as a yeah. budget, and I think yeah. it only made it up to like four hundred million. Um, and I'm a huge Alita Battle Angel stan. Like I want it to succeed and get a sequel so bad. Wait, because... you said four hundred million? Yeah, I think yeah, it was somewhere around the four hundred million. Is that what it bu- says online? And the budget, but the budget was two hundred fifty million. Something like that, maybe three hundred million. But they made a pro- so they made a profit, right? Eh, 
technically, although... I mean, it, very slim profit, I guess. Yeah, because I think they spend extra money for marketing and, and branding and stuff like that online and, you know, all the advertisements. Uh, so, like, that kind of costs a little bit more, I guess. Um, yeah. But I think, I think what if I remember correctly, the way they put it is that uh, for a movie to succeed financially, they have to make triple of what they made in the box office uh, right, because yeah. that makes up for everything and more. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But Alita so Battle Angel... Yeah, like just barely finished that budget off and, and, you know, went a little bit over. But it's not enough to get people excited. I I will say, I think the storytelling wasn't the best. I mean, it was kind of, I don't know, it it felt just a little hollow to me. But I enjoyed it enough. I mean, God, the visuals, the the visual effects. And I I looked up, Weta did the visual effects for this movie. Yeah, James Cameron. Good guy. And James Cameron produced. Robert Rodriguez directed. I did not know that. Um, this was this was my favorite Robert Rodriguez project that he's ever worked on. Like I know he's really, done like yeah. Spy Kids and stuff like that, but like like well, Alita Battle that. Angel. Ooh. I mean, he goes back to the '90s and Once Upon a Time in Mexico and and all that stuff. Those those the the Mexico trilogy. Um, oh yeah. With, yeah yeah yeah. With Antonio Banderas and um, so yeah I. He's made he's made what is uh, from dust till dawn. You know he's made a bunch of good, really good movies, but uh, yeah, lately I haven't seen anything from him that I've liked. I I liked it again. I didn't love it, um, but I thought what it was lacking in storytelling, it made up for in just great freaking visuals and action scenes. And yeah. I was worried about like the little the uncanny valley aspect of the CGI's, particularly with Alita and her face and stuff. But I kind of bought into it because it's like okay, it's artificial technology. You know, it's it's or she's she's an android or whatever. She's a cyborg, um, so it's not meant to look real like you know like us so oh yeah um, also did I, you know fun fact did you know that this movie alita battle angel came out the same time that captain marvel came out and they both mm. had the same plot lines of like people who lost their memories and have to figure out who they are and yeah. like more fans were like yo alita than captain marvel yeah yeah, yeah sorry yeah. captain I, marvel I, stands i i can totally see that yeah but i really i did enjoy it um that's what stood out to me the most is just the, the visual effects and the action scenes. I thought Christoph Waltz was great. Um, I really liked who was the who was the girl who plays Alita? I uh, had I had Rosa I had Salazar. A, Rosa Salazar. She did great. Um, yeah. I think she's been in the the Maze Runner movies and stuff like that. But uh, oh this yeah, is the first time I've seen her in anything. I haven't seen the Maze Runner movies. It's but, a bummer she's in CGI because you can't really recognize her for real. But yeah, yeah. I wonder what the great. reasoning was for that choice because you see all the other cyborgs in the movie and they have like their human faces. You know? Oh, cause she, cause she was a battle angel specifically. So like all the other cyborgs were like just regular cyborg people, but these were like battle angels that were specifically designed to go to war. Oh, that's um, okay. That's right. So they're she's not. She, she does have a human brain though, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, well, she's a robot. I mean, so she's not from really the ground human. up, right? Yeah, yeah. Up, she's, okay, okay. Yeah, right. whereas like in in the world that she's set in, like there are people who are like hybrid yeah. robot people yeah, yeah, yeah. and human people, but and, and and it makes sense because the CGI does kind of look a little uncanny valley-ish, but it works because you see like they're doing stuff in real life, like with robotics and stuff like that, and they've got like human-looking faces now, and you always see this stuff come out, and it does look a little uncanny valley-ish, you know. Mm. This, the artificial skin they put on the robots and stuff, but but it works because of that. Also, g- going back to Godfather, because uh, you just reminded me of this, I had no idea Robert De Niro was in the movie until I looked it up on IMDb and I found out that he played uh, 
that bald dude, the bald brother sibling character cousin maybe. I don't know. Really? Am I am I getting this right? He's in he's in two. He's not in one. Are you sure that I swear to God that first one was him? Oh. The guy who was uh, at the casino with him, right? In Godfather One. All right. Scrap everything I just said. <laughs> he's in maybe Godfather I'm losing Two. It. I could have sworn. I mean, hey, I'll I'll, I'll watch number is, two. If he is, I never then. knew. If, if he is, I never knew about it. Yeah. Oh, dang. All right. Well, then, hey, why don't we jump on into these news topics all right, here? Let's do it. Also, for all you listeners out there, Kevin has acquired the ability to summon sound effects. So if you hear anything really, really random like this, that's us, baby. It's Kevin pressing some buttons. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, I appreciate it. Yes. Nice. So uh, we got our main topics here today. We got a crap ton to talk about, so we are going to go through it. We'll make this a little bit quicker than usual because we do have a ton. Um, First off, we got Johnny Depp wins defamation lawsuit against Amber Heard. So... This is a news article from CNBC. Johnny Depp won a defamation suit Wednesday against his former wife, Amber Heard, after a jury found that she had defamed Depp in saying that he had abused her over the course of their relationship. The jury unanimously found that Heard could not sustainably uh, could not substantiate her allegations against Depp, Depp and that she knew her claims of abuse were false, and she published her 2018 essay. The jury determined that uh, Heard acted with a, an actual malice when writing her op-ed, the jury awarded te- uh, Depp ten million dollars to compensate. Oh my God, so many words today. Compensatory, compensatory damage and five million dollars in punitive damages in his defamation suit. So okay, this this is like I feel like this is news that it, it happened right in the beginning of the month. So it's right. stuff that we haven't really thought about too much now. And also, I feel like most of you listeners have already probably heard about this because who hasn't heard about this case at it's this huge. point? You know, everybody, everybody was talking about this thing. Enormous. It's enormous. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the heck Johnny Depp does next. I think from what I heard, he's like doing music concerts and playing in, in a rock band mm. with some friends right now. Meanwhile, Amber Heard is off being a mother, I suppose. Um Either way, I don't know where their careers are going to go, but I hope the best for everyone. And, you know, also, holy crap, this has all been a crazy ride for the past month. All of May, all I was mm-hmm. doing was going on YouTube, looking up what the heck the news, the latest news for this court case was. And so when it there ended, there was something the way coming did, out. There was something coming out almost every day. Oh, yeah. And, and I think there was a combination of just like. A lot of uh, internet swarming on Amber Heard of people just wanting to hate on her. Which, hey, listen, mm-hmm. I'm I listen to the cases and I just listen to what they have to say. Maybe it's a different experience based on if you're in the court case and are, are out. Um, but I will say, by the end, I was convinced that Amber Heard was guilty of whatever she was charged for, and everybody got their just desserts, in my opinion. Yeah, justice for Johnny is what they say. Um, not I mean, that I'm opinionated. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I will say they are both a hot mess as far as, Correct, uh, yes. you know, how they are as people and that's concerned, but it really did seem like Amber Heard was the one that came out looking the worst. Yeah. Um, oh after, yeah. I mean, everybody was picking everything apart, uh, everything she was saying and doing and, you know, I did, I personally, I was looking, I looked at these videos that popped up on YouTube where people are like kind of breaking down her, her her body language in her face. And, and I will say she did come off 
like she was she did not come off like a real person she came off like she was acting in a movie she really mm. did she just the way this the the looks on her face and the way she kind of tilted her head like almost dramatically and just kind of the faces she was making her head movements and and things like that she looked like <laughs> she looked like she was really trying to go for an oscar or something you know well, that um, that combined with just the 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 response to the evidence itself was a was a bad combination especially for the jury because i'm sure they yeah. must have seen through that performance once they heard the evidence and they're like really that's what you have to say and do right now to that yeah. evidence that's i don't know how we feel about that so yeah. you know i'm i i'm glad it ended the way it did is all i need to say about that yeah and i will say for the as far as the both of them are concerned um i feel like uh, John, for for example, Johnny Depp, I feel like it, it'll be a while before we see him in anything kind of big. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll probably see him pop up here and there in, in some independent films or something like that. Um, her career's, I mean, his his career has taking is taking probably a bit of a hit, I imagine. Um, but ultimately, I think down the line, um, we'll see him again pop up in 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 bigger things. We'll we'll see him more often. Um, Amber Heard, I don't know, man. I she may work again, 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 doing, doing maybe smaller projects, things like that. But I don't know. I'd be surprised. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if this is the end for her. Um, I agree. Yeah, I I and, think I personally think she's at this point. It's so bad the way it ended that it's kind of just tainted her as a as a marketable person. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I, if I were a producer and I wanted her to be in a movie for me, I know that my movie would not be the main topic. It would be Amber Heard mm-hmm. coming back to a movie and doing this stuff, even though we know the things that we know about her now, you know? Right. Right. And then jumping, uh, jumping off of that point about Amber Heard. Uh, so how do we feel about, how do you feel about, uh, her future in the DC universe? I mean, we got Aquaman two coming out her Scenes have been shot. Um, you know, what is the... We haven't really heard anything from Warner Brothers about what they're planning on doing with that, if anything. What do you think they might do? What do you think they should do? Well, I think I think it's what they're going to end up doing is treat it almost like Ezra Miller, which we will talk about very soon. Um, yes. I, I think, you know, Zaslav, who's the current CEO at Warner Brothers, is probably going to you know, do the one and done situation where, mm-hmm. hey, listen, we've already got a movie with Amber Heard showing up for Aquaman 2. Once she shows up and does her thing, whether she shows up for 10 minutes or five minutes or even 30 minutes, once she's done with this movie and we're done seeing her, she's done. Like, we're we're over it. And it's not just because of Amber Heard. I think this is just another conversation about Warner Brothers, what they want to do with the DC universe. Sure. And so they're trying to reset it in a way and it's just it's very messy right now and we don't we as fans it's very messy we don't understand what's going on specifically and what the plan really is um but as the months have been going by we're going to slowly learn more and more hopefully we hear something about it for comic-con next month which is a big deal like we gotta mm-hmm. man we're definitely talking about those things next month when we get the chance yes. but um I, th- I think uh amber heard is probably going to be done being uh her character for aquaman 2 and mm-hmm. you know once that's over with, I'm. I hope they don't replace Jason Momoa. I love him to death. It's just such a bummer. I think bummer he's great as Aquaman. I, I think he's perfect. Yeah. 
we have such awesome cast members in the DC Universe right now who were like, oh, we couldn't get rid of Gal Gadot or, or Jason Momoa. And now, yeah. Adam, you know, I think Robert Pattinson's coming back as Batman now. And then, but we, we really like Ben Affleck. Ah, you know, we're it's just yeah. a matter of ripping a Band-Aid and just moving on and starting over. I, I don't envy... David Zaslav and the folks over at DC. I mean, mm. yeah, DC and Warner Brothers who have to make these decisions right now. Oof. It's just, it's really bad. And of course, yeah, like we said, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get into Ezra Miller. Um, that's a whole other thing altogether. But it's David Zaslav has inherited quite a shit burger right now. Yeah, it's just like it, it's a mess. So who knows? I, I mean, I suspect maybe they might keep Jason Momoa around um, and just get rid of Amber Heard or recast her in future things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as the Aquaman movie is concerned, I don't think they've changed anything about Amber Heard or, or and I don't think they will. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a lot of drama about that during the court case where I think Amber Heard was using the argument that like, oh, because of everything that Johnny has done to me, uh, Aquaman 2, they, they said they're not going to use me in as much of the movie. And it's like, well, you, you and don't the, know that for sure because and producers... then a report, Well, then a report later came out uh, from somebody at Warner Brothers saying <laughs> that they didn't cut anything out. She just didn't have a big role in the first place. Yeah, and it's like, hey, so, listen, when, when we're cutting movies like this, scenes are going to get cut. It's not because of you as a person. It happens. It they're, happens. they're more focused on the storytelling. So yeah. whether or not you did anything horrible or not... Uh, if your character did something really important in this scene, they're going to keep that scene because that's what's yeah. moving the story forward. And so, you know, hopefully there's not as much, uh, you know, attention to Amber Heard when it, when Aquaman 2 comes out. I'm sure they got to figure that out somehow. But, hey, you know what they can't figure out how to cut out is Ezra Miller, who is right. in The Flash coming out yeah. someday. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> Raul... What do we got, my guy? All right, guys. So there has been so much. And if, if, if you guys are casual fans of, you know, anything comic book movie related or whatever, you no doubt have probably have an idea of this. Here's the deal. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, we're going to go through the timeline of events uh, that have taken place throughout oh the Ezra Miller saga. And we're just going to give some some bullet points on that and touch 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 on that a little bit. Uh, just so we're all on the same page going forward as to how this conversation is going to go. And again, we're not going to get too into the nitty gritty details about what has happened and all that stuff. We're, we're just going to kind of touch on them. And then we're going to mostly keep the conversation about the future of Ezra Miller as the Flash, the future of the Flash in the DC movie universe in general, and how this affects the entertainment industry as a whole, and specifically Warner Brothers. So... Um, without further ado, let's go ahead and let, let's get into this here because there's been so much going on. All right. Let's so here's the deal. Ezra Miller and his, his crazy antics. This all starts, uh, well, first of all, let's go back a couple of years ago, April 5th, 2020, Ezra Miller, uh, a report came out. Ezra Miller chokes a woman in a bar in Iceland. So it's, it start it's, it's it kind of starts there about two years ago. So let's jump forward. March 27th, 2022, M Miller is arrested for attacking a woman at a karaoke bar in Hawaii. Miller <laughs> was yelling at a woman uh, who was singing karaoke, and he stole the microphone her from her before then lunging at a man playing darts. 
So, uh, you know, keep this guy away from bars, right? Uh, March 28th, 2022. Just hours after Miller made bail from, from the first thing, uh, police were called on to arrest Miller, who was staying with a couple in Hawaii um, at a hostel. The couple claimed that Miller threatened to burn them. Uh, Miller wow. later stole items from them, including a passport and a wallet. The couple later filed a restraining order. March 19th, 2022, less than a week after the restraining order was dropped, Miller was arrested after allegedly throwing a chair at a woman at a house in Hawaii and oh leaving God. her with a head injury. Uh, so, yeah, my, uh, June 8th, 2022. It's still Miller's, going, guys. It's, it's still, still going. going. It's still going. June 8th, 2022, Miller is accused of grooming an 18-year-old girl since she was the age of 12. Court documents obtained by TMZ accused Miller of providing Takata Iron Eyes with alcohol, marijuana, and LSD over the years. They claimed the actor prompted uh, Takata to drop out of private schooling, which uh, Miller was paying for. In December, uh, yeah, drop out of private schooling in December, and uh, they had been taking her around with them to various locations for months while while maintaining control over her social media, phone, and finances. Wow. Uh, the parents said they went to check up on, on Takata um, in Ezra Miller's Vermont home in January 2022. And when they arrived, they found that Takata was bruised and without a car, driver's license, keys, or, you know, credit card or bank card. Um, so then we skip June 9th. 2022 Takata then goes on after these accusations came out from the parents uh, the very next day Takata goes on and denies these accusations and she puts out this video on Instagram um, and ba yeah basically uh, saying you know saying that everything that has been revealed uh, has, is false the the claims by her made by her parents are false um, the next day after that June 10th 2022 Miller and Takata go missing when police arrived to their house to serve a protective order filed by Takata's parents they're oh. gone they're on the run they're fugitives from the law um he's got to run fast got to run fast uh, yeah uh, so that was June 10th June 15th 2022 Miller mocks police in an Instagram post saying you cannot touch me I am in another universe uh, Miller later deleted their Instagram account uh, June 16th 2022. The family of a 12-year-old girl in Massachusetts was granted a restraining order against Miller. The mother claimed that Miller was visiting and started screaming at them and showed off a concealed gun. Miller was quoted as saying that the girl was an elevated being who would be lucky to have someone like me guide them, uh, amidst other inappropriate and uncomfortable interactions. So we cut to, well, uh, the latest news. Well, actually, there's some breaking news that dropped today. Oh, my but, God. Uh, it's already June 28th. What are they but, doing? I know. But before that, there was another article really quick that came out. Um, let's see. Where is it? Uh, Warner Brothers. So this comes from Deadline. Um, Warner Brothers talking about the Flash. Uh, so Zaz Labs. Uh, let's see. Well, Sorry, well let's say this it. first. Okay. Let, so, let, yeah, wait, go ahead. Go ahead. Bro, let me say this first. All of, out of everything you guys, you listeners have heard, like all of this, it, it, this has been happening yeah. within a couple, like a year or two now, like that this guy's been doing all this stuff. And so at yeah. this point, with most you, of it happening, with, with most of it happening within the past few months. So at this point, you have to ask yourself, WB, what are you doing? <laughs> mm -hmm. This man is starring in one of the biggest films for the DC universe 
that's coming up soon with Michael Keaton and a new Supergirl. All this crazy stuff, and you got the leading character on screen doing all this stuff off screen, and we haven't even started marketing the movie yet. So, like, all right, so what's this new headline, Raul? This is crazy. All right, well, first of all, let me, let me, there was an article from Deadline that came out actually, um, because we've had questions about what Warner Brothers is going to do. And so on June 17th, uh, about a week, uh, you know, about 10 days ago, uh, an article from Deadline came out uh, basically saying, uh, you know, WB CEO Zaslav has several choices regarding Miller, and he will make one of them soon. Among them, he can pull back on heavily promoting the summer 2023 film, confining it to some uh, prints and advertising and no, public- no publicity tour, or he can relegate it to streaming with HBO Max uh, and take a write-down, or lean in toward making the movie a hit and then drop Miller if they can't straighten things out. Uh, There's a quote here uh, saying, there's no winning in this for Warner Brothers, one studio source tells us. Uh, This is an inherited problem for Zaslav. The hope is that the scandal will remain at a low level before the movie is released and hope for the best to turn out. Uh, Sources even said, if no more allegations surface, the studio won't likely keep Miller in the Flash role in future DC films. Uh, That would mean replacing him in the future, but there is still a $200 million investment on the line with the first film, and Warner Brothers execs have to be cringing at each new press report. And that was uh, the article from Deadline. Um, So... they've. This is stuff we speculated already, that they've got some choices to make, and, and... um, regarding how to market this film, because that is one of the big questions, is how are they going to market this going forward when your lead actor is doing all these things? Um, and I and, and so that brings me here. Let me go ahead and pull this up. Uh, an article from the Direct talking about, here's the, this broke today. This is the most today. recent, broke today. This is the most recent uh, news in the Ezra Miller saga. Talking about how uh, the Hollywood Reporter, ahead of its ahead of this year's San Diego Comic Con, the Hollywood Reporter shared that the plans for Warner Brothers theatrical division for the event are still unclear and still being discussed internally. This year, Warner Brothers has several DC films on its slate, namely DC's Justice uh, League of Super Pets, Black Adam, and Shazam: Fury of the Gods. The Hollywood Reporter speculated that a dedicated panel for these movies could be featured at the event. However. 2023 DC movies such as The Flash and Blue Beetle will reportedly not have panels, mainly because they are considered too far out to have a meaningful impact. And then the article goes on from there. Okay, so it's not... Okay, now looking at this article, it's not all as, like, as as, as it seems. Um, the report initially, what we, what we initially heard was, like, oh, they're not... They're not doing a flash panel at Comic-Con. Ooh, what does this mean? But now looking at the article, it says, oh, well, they're not going to do any 2023 films because it's too far out. Mm. Now, whether whether that's kind of a, a, a purposeful decision that they've made where we'd be like, well, let's just say we're not going to have a panel for any of the 2023 films. Whew, now we don't have to talk about the flash. Great, perfect. Um, or that was, just, that, was in, that was just the way it was going to be already. But uh, what do you think about this, Kevin? What do you think about this, all of this stuff? <laughs> I think it deserves a Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire scream. <laughs> just all of it is I, yeah. just, oh my God, I can't, like, I, we've talked about this before. Where we're, It's like, what would we do if we were the producers working on this movie and working with Ezra Miller? 
first and foremost, I just want to say uh, the most important thing right now is to focus on Ezra Miller's mental health. Because as great as as much as a lot of us geeks who are listening want to see right. a Flash movie, we also have to really be concerned about Ezra Miller as a person because this is getting so out of hand. And I feel like mm-hmm. when when you get the chance to go and mess with other people around the country and do what you do as a famous actor, and suddenly you just start getting away with it because your producers for movies are just like, yeah, that's fine. We're just gonna pretend like it's not happening, and so that we can get the movie out. It yeah. gives you leeway to assume that you're basically a god that can go out and do all these crazy things and change the world because you're amazing. There's no accountability. There's, There's no, no, no accountability. accountability. That's not okay. And when did... you see the things that he's done up to this point, all you can think is like, man, somebody needs to sit him, sit them down and like just talk about what's going on, well, like figure everything out. Well, the Deadline article did say that apparently Zaz... Uh, the studio was tried getting help for for Ezra Miller, but the tr- the headlines just kept piling up. Man, um, so they apparently they tried, um, and it just didn't it didn't work out because Ezra Miller just kept making trouble. I think what, um, what we said what we said earlier was uh, that one of the best uh, ideas that he that, that they could possibly do is come out like maybe in four to five months and do the, like a, a whole like apology kind of marketing thing with Warner Brothers and say, hey, like, I've gone to therapy. I've figured myself out. Like, I know what's going on now. Like, okay, let's make this better so that you could at least salvage your career a little bit. Because not only is this bad for Warner Brothers, but it looks bad for just directors and producers in general. Who Mm -hmm. wants to hire Ezra Miller after all this news outlet stuff starts to come out? His, like, their career is over at this point. With everything that they've done, he they're they're basically in the same position as Amber Heard at this point, and it it almost feels like there's no going back unless they choose to do something about it because we want to give them a chance, we want to give them this hope and and power to be yeah. the Flash and do something great for us. But the fact that now they've even said, hey, the Flash, Ezra Miller, this is a one and done thing now for them. Like as soon as Ezra's done being Flash in this movie. They're done. Like that's is that it. confirmed that that's what the, that's the stance they're taking. That is that is the that's, stance they're they've, taking. They've come like, out and said that it is a one and done deal. It's over. Right. To which I say that's literally what I I've been trying to say to everybody this whole time. Like guys, if I was a producer, this would be Ezra Miller's last movie as the Flash. But again, as I was saying with Amber Heard, it's not specifically just because of Ezra Miller as the Flash. It's also because of the fact that they're trying to reboot the DC universe, and this is a great excuse to get rid of everything. And, you know, again, there's consequences that, you know, actors that we love to see as the characters that they play, but at this point, when they start to do this reset and soft reboot of the whole universe, I think it might be for the best. Let me ask you you a logistical question here. Okay, so if they're looking to have this be a one-and-done and reboot the DC universe... Do you think there's a way they can do that in this movie? Other it's than other the than just point, yeah. Right. I mean, so how do you think they can show I mean, they might have to do some rewriting or reshooting, I'm sure, but you know, there's a question of will they won't they because that is an expensive ordeal and the movie is already expensive enough as it is. Mm. Do you think there's a possibility of maybe reworking the film so that it serves as more of a clear baton pass off? 
in some way? Or do you think they should just put this movie out as is, and then the next time we see The Flash, it's someone else? I I want to say that it'd be nice to do a passing the baton thing, but I feel mm. like at this point, they, the movie's done. Like, they put so much money into this movie just to make it officially done. I think I think they, it was like a $300 million budget. Or something, something like that. Like that yeah. um, uh, don't quote me on that, everybody. But I'm just—I'm assuming it costs a lot of money because it's. This is one of the biggest DC movies that they've been trying to advertise to us. Um, but I, I feel like now that it's done, if they want to salvage it and say, "Hey, it's all about soft rebooting and passing the baton," they could go that route. But I, I'm pretty sure they didn't have that intention when they wanted to make this movie happen. Right. Um, and I think it would cost them extra money to to do that. Then again. They did do a, an entire Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League, and they dropped $70 million just to finish it off the way he wanted it. Right. So I'm not going to say it's never a possibility, but the, the likelihood of it, I think, is like under 40% at this point. I have a potential solution, I think. And this is not—look, I'm not a Hollywood screenwriter, okay? So— I haven't thought about quite the logistics of how to how to do this, but I know there's the question of, well, why don't they just replace Ezra Miller in the movie and just reshoot all his scenes? Mm. That's a lot of reshoots. That's a lot of money that they He's have the to continuously character. turn. He's <laughs> the main character. He's in so many scenes. Um, I, I have a potential solution maybe, because maybe not replace the main Flash, but there are more than, there is more than one Flash in the movie. There is another Flash, also played by Ezra Miller. Now, I'm not sure how much this version of the Flash is in the movie, but if, and this is a big if, if, obviously, it's not going to be in as many scenes as the main Flash, right? Um, this other Flash, he's going to be more of a side character, right? So I don't know exactly how many, how much screen time this other Flash is, but if it ends up being a lot, it'll still be more money they have to pour in to reshooting, but it could potentially be a lot cheaper to put a different actor as that version of the Flash, the second Flash or whatever, and reshoot all of his scenes. And let's, you know, and, and maybe kind of rework the ending so that there's maybe a baton pass from the the main Flash to the new Flash. So, mm. I don't know. It's not very well... It's not very well thought out, but I'm here thinking like it could probably be less money than replacing all of the main flashes scenes. So I yeah, well, I mean, also the the fact that they pushed it back again so far back gives it an opportunity to say, hey, we can do something about this and change the movie. Like we either have that time or, now. Either that, or they just have time to hopefully to hope that maybe this all dies down. All this uh, man, but it, about it. at this point, it's like that's. Ezra Miller is Good the luck. blade. Like he, like they are the blade that's leading this army of of this movie. You know, like it's it's so hard to to if we wait a year and then this the movie, movie finally and leading comes the out, future of the DC movies. Yeah, I mean, I I doubt they would even want to have Ezra Miller in uh, all the you know the the marketing stuff when they when they get interviewed by by interviewees or whatever. That's a main problem. How do you market a movie like The Flash without The Flash? Yeah. Like, ha you have to market him in all... You have to market The Flash in all the material. 
you know? And, like, the, to, to think that reporters won't ask other actors like Michael Keaton or any other stars that are in this movie, right. like, hey, how do you feel about Ezra Miller doing all these things? Even if right. it's uncomfortable to ask those questions, I'm pretty sure reporters are going to ask those questions. Like, it, right. th- there's so much that you have to put red, you know, scotch tape on and, and you know, be very careful and where you tread, you know? it's I, At this point, it... It feels almost as though maybe it would just be easier to drop it on HBO Max and call it a day and say... That was going to be my next question. Let's celebrate HBO Max. This is the Flashpoint Paradox, the end of DC Universe that we know so far. It's just so odd to think... It's just so odd to think that a movie as big as this Flash movie seems to be. Which apparently all reports are coming out that, that... People have screened the movie, you know, within the within the company at Warner Brothers and all that stuff. And reports are coming out that it's really good, which is a shame. So, like, I, I would hate to see something like, like, uh, yeah, a movie like this, so important, get dropped on HBO Max, you know? And then yeah. not not be able to recoup the money. Because if a movie drops on HBO Max, they're, forget about making any money in the movie theater, you know, at the box office. Forget about all those box office uh, dollars coming in. You just, you know, you you just lost money. Yeah. When you put when they put movies on HBO HBO Max, they lose money. So, I don't know. It's a tough it's a tough position for David Zaslav and the guys at Warner Brothers to be in. So, I don't envy any of them. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we'll, at the end of the day, also is is uh you know in in twenty years from now when this movie's been out for twenty years on streaming or DVD or whatever they come up with in the future. Um, are, are we going to look back at this movie and think of amazing things? Or are we going to just think about Ezra Miller? Or, you know, how are we going to feel about it? And I think leaving a legacy behind of a character like this that you're about to play, that's such a big deal, you know? And, and you want to leave a good impact. You want to come back in your 60s again if they ever want to do a reboot movie of, of another Flashpoint. And now the older version of Ezra Miller shows up as the Flash. Like, that'd be crazy to have. But if you do things like this that continue to ruin your career... It doesn't look good. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, there are some people whose careers go through a whole lifespan and we constantly <laughs> love them. You like the segue that I just did? I, I we, yeah, look at you with the segues. <laughs> we got our next topic here. We got John Williams talking about retirement. Yeah. How crazy to hear of this behemoth of a man who's about to go through this next step in his life. The man's 90 years old. Here's an article from Variety that tells us, John Williams has hinted that Indiana Jones 5 might be his last film. The legendary musician and Oscar-winning composer behind the scores for Jaws, Star Wars, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, and more teased the news in an interview with Associated Press. He says, At the moment, I'm working on Indiana Jones 5, which Harrison Ford, who's quite a bit younger than I am, I think has announced will be his last film. So I thought, if Harrison can do it, perhaps I can too. <laughs> I am so heartbroken, but also it's such a, it, it's like a bittersweet kind of thing. It is bittersweet, yeah. You, you, we love John Williams. This man is has been everyone's childhood at this point. Uh, and it's to a point where when you hear his music, it's so recognizable that mm-hmm. you can't imagine living in a new generation of Hollywood without John Williams' music. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, you know, wishing him the best. I'm definitely going to try to see if I can buy some tickets to go see John Williams in concert one last time because, again, the guy's in his 90s now. He's literally I, 90. 
Oh, are you about to tell me that you have tickets to John Williams? For Father's Day, I was gifted, my wife gifted me tickets to the Hollywood Bowl this September to see John Williams in concert. So I am so excited about that. Holy crap. <laughs> I am so excited about that. Uh, and I've heard, I have not seen John Williams in the Hollywood Bowl. I've seen him in concert before in Boston. I know he goes, he, he plays He plays in Boston, um, or he, he was playing in Boston every year. He did a concert, and I saw I saw him there. Um, but this this is the one to to see right if you're going to see john williams in concert the hollywood bowl concert that he does every year this is the one to go see um and i'm so excited i'm so excited about that oh uh, man dude 90 what a life what a career this man is a legend a legend with rest. a capital L, and I know we throw that word legend around a lot, but John yeah. Williams is a true legend. I mean, the man the, is so prolific, has been so prolific in his, what, almost 40-year career now? Um, just, there isn't, I have not lived a life where there wasn't John Williams composing music for movies. Same. Uh, he... All the all the movies I watched as a kid that I fell in love with were a lot of a lot of them were composed by John Williams. John Williams was the music of my life. I would just constantly be playing John Williams music in my head as a child all the time because I fell in love with it so much. Um, and it and and he's uh, he's a composer. He's an artist of great variety, right? He's composed music in different genres and different types of music, yet you still always recognize the John Williams score when you hear it. At every least now I and then, Every now and then when I'm driving, like I, I find myself going like, eh, you know what, I kind of want to listen to the Imperial March from Star Wars or Luke's, <laughs> Luke's Force theme, you know, because th yeah. that kind of music just hits your heart in a way that, that no other music has been able to do. Um, right. And when, when music like that is ingrained in you, and only a person like John Williams can do something like that. It really leaves a dent in the music industry, is what I would say. I know I we've got a couple of uh, composer buddies where every time we ask them, like, "Hey, who's the best composer ever?" They always go John Williams, and then maybe Danny Elfman next, and then maybe this guy. Always John <laughs> Williams first. He's always at the top. So I, yeah. I I'm curious to see now that he's retired from the film industry. Possibly, you know, this is the news is that it's possibly he's retiring now. Once he leaves, what does that do? Like, who's next in line? Who's gonna well, fill that gap? He's not retiring from music. He said he's still gonna he's still gonna make music. He's just not gonna do any film scores. For, so right for film scores. So That's what I'm, I, mean. I will definitely be following that because uh, I, he's released uh, a couple of albums of just his original compositions of music, um, and it's beautiful. The music the music he produces. He wrote, um, God, one of them is like this piece he wrote for his for 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 his. Uh, his wife, I think he had a he had a wife that I, I believe passed away. I, I might be I might be mixing that up or, or or he wrote this for somebody that he loved very much, and it was a beautiful piece. Anyway, what are what Kevin? What are your favorite uh, John Williams scores? What's your favorite um, John Williams music? Oh God, I, I've already named a few: Imperial March, Luke's Force theme. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't go wrong with the Jurassic Park theme song. I was gonna uh, say the Superman theme song from the '80s that still is used today like i if you if you yeah. watch Shazam it's at the end of Shazam um it's iconic the, it's it's crazy iconic. that i'm it's 2022 now and you hear the superman theme and you instantly know that's the superman theme even though mm. that's music from a movie from the 80s like that's yeah. 
incredible to me. Se- 70, 79, 78, I believe. 78? Man, yeah. the, even more than the 70s, you guys. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's incredible. And I know, yeah, we, sure. We all, you know, we all talk about Star Wars. We talk about, you know, Indiana Jones, all that stuff. I actually personally love the music from Hook. Despite the fact, Ooh. and look, I like, I, I grew up watching Hook, and so it's got a nostalgic connection with me. And so I, I like, I like Hook. Uh, I know not a lot of people liked it. Um, but you can't deny the music for Hook is, is amazing. It's just beautiful and gorgeous, and it makes you feel like, you know, similar to the Superman theme, like you're soaring in the air and all that stuff. And, and I just think it's a, a beautiful, beautiful score. Uh, of course, I love, I think my favorite is the Jurassic Park theme. I think that is so full of wonder and magic and beauty and just, you know, of the animals living their lives and, and things like that. So I, you know, those are those are probably my favorite ones. Also, you, you, we got to say, like, even recently, like, he, he made the song for Ray's theme in Star Wars Episode 7, oh, 8, and that's 9. that's a good one. Like, that's a good one. Do, 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 do. I, don't, I, can't, I don't want to sing yeah, it too yeah. much because maybe copyright. I don't know how that works on podcasts. <laughs> but, like, that, that song... It holds up, and I I feel like it's a song that belongs in the Star Wars universe. I don't mm. know if you guys could tell, but I'm a big Star Wars fan. But like you know, Ray's theme. <laughs> what? Like I feel like you could take Ray's theme and bring it back to the original series or the original movies, four, five, and six, and yeah. it still sounds like a mo- a song that belongs in that film, in those films. Um. So yeah, I, I think the impact that this this musician and composer and great all around amazing creator has created uh it's it's gonna be it's gonna be huge it's gonna be big one now that he's finally heading on out 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 of this situation his presence in in films will be missed definitely so moving on to our next topic here uh we actually have a humongous chunk of marvel news right now um and you know i'll say this now as you already know comic con is coming up and so i'm very sure most of these topics are going to be answered by the time Mm. comic con happens but it's good for us to at least speculate and report the news that we've heard this past month so raul what do we got for our first marvel news over here all right so we got this uh we got this article from the direct uh talking about fantastic four oh snap looking for big name directors uh apparently according to deadlines justin crawl there is a large mix of candidates in the search to replace John Watts as director of Fantastic Four following his recent departure. Marvel uh, Chief Creative Officer Kevin Feige and his team are taking a lot of shots at some big names. Kroll refers to Fantastic Four as easily Marvel's top open directing assignment. Uh, but reports that this will not be a quick. Uh, but reports that this will not be a quick decision. One source stated that they would be shocked if a choice is made before Labor Day. Uh, no names have currently surfaced for who could be cast or hired as director. However, regarding the production of Fantastic Four, one source told Kroll that Kevin Feige uh, doesn't want to oversee the entire shoot, and after not having to worry about that with Raimi, he is very game to uh, to that same outcome with this shoot. So, Kevin, you hear this? What do you think about all this news coming out about? Fantastic Four, looking for big name directors. What what does that mean? Big name. Oh man. Well, I for one never will believe 
that Martin Scorsese will ever do a Marvel movie, especially <laughs> after what he's said about the Marvel movies in yeah, general. Yeah, right. Can you imagine? Um, <laughs> I'm, but I am listing off a, um, a ton of different directors in my head that are as big as Martin Scorsese. Mm. George Lucas, eh, you know, mm. Steven Spielberg, uh, Ron Howard. You know, you could bring so many of these guys into Lucas these is movies. retired, though. Lucas is That's true, but that man can do whatever he wants, and you know it. But uh, I, I think... Actually, I want to come back for Fantastic Four. I, I really like the idea of them being in space, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so if we could, cool. if, if we could make aliens. it so that they find, they find crystal skulls, and that's how they get their powers... <laughs> And then that, that'll be Indiana Jones 12. Uh, I think it'll be good. But no, I, I think I think big that uh, yeah, the, the only downside that I have in my head about having a big time director in the helm of um, a movie like Fantastic Four is the fact that when you think of these big time directors, like I think of like the blockbuster years of like, mm. you know, when Steven Spielberg made Jurassic Park. I mean, he did one, two and three. But like when he does number one, it's like he didn't you do three. He didn't do three. Oh, but he did two. He did too. Yeah. Well, when you see him making these movies, you think this is a Steven Spielberg franchise. That's what it is. It's right. Not... He produced all the subsequent films. Yeah. yeah. Everything these big time directors do is their thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like asking Tom Cruise to be a part of Marvel, which I know there there were rumors about him being Iron Man in Multiverse right. of Madness, but Way like back in the day, just, just imagining Tom Cruise being told what to do when he's a guy that's like, I produce my own movies. Any movie that I work on, I'm the star. Like, that's how I roll. He has like, full creative control. When that happens, you go, yes, Mr. Cruz, do what you have to do, Mr. Cruz. I can't imagine Kevin Feige trying to go up to Steven Spielberg and saying, all right, Steven, this is what we need to do in the movie. This is how I want it, and this is how it needs to end, and it needs to lead into this. Mm. I can't imagine that because I feel like that's yeah. just that's such a power move to do over someone like Steven Spielberg. Um that being said, I mean, Spielberg is a collaborative guy, though. So he, I don't know, he probably likes to have some sort of degree of control. He does like to have some sort of degree degree of control over his films, but he's a very open and collaborative guy. And I don't know how much of a fan he is of, like, the comic books or, or things like that. I don't know what his connection is with Fantastic Four, if any, but if he's passionate about it, I don't know. I, I, I Hopefully... Uh, and I, I'm sure Kevin Feige will be looking for someone who is willing and open to to have that collaborative uh, attitude about them. Yeah, I, and I think a Fantastic Four movie led by Steven Spielberg, I, I have no doubt, would be incredible. Like God, that, can you imagine? That is the if you think about it, like Fantastic Four, that's the family of Marvel, and Steven Spielberg is a god when it comes to directing films that have to do with family. Um, so good for him if he ever said yes to something like that. I yeah. would be in the theaters in a heartbeat, you know, like there even though I say I'm saying all these negative things of eh, I don't know if this would happen. If it did happen, God, you could imagine me sitting in the theaters. I'd be the first in line, you know. That that would be yeah. amazing. Um that all being said, I I think it makes more sense to bring in newer directors that are really becoming big now. Yeah. Um, like I, I know Kevin Feige ha- has a very good eye for finding up and coming directors, but I think the directors who have already come, they're here. Like, I think those are the next ones Kevin Feige needs to look after. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, one, one person I, I, I thought it would be a good idea. Uh, nah, scratch that. I can't think of anybody, <laughs> but listen, I, I really do think that, uh, Kevin Feige will make a good decision. I don't, I trust him. He hasn't let me down yet. 
Um, I'm sure whoever he chooses will be a good choice. Uh, I know I heard the rumor about, like, oh, what if John Krasinski directed it because he's a movie director and then he could play Reed Richards. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Who knows? Sure. But I also don't think... Yeah, that still all remains a mystery about John Krasinski's potential involvement. Yeah, and, you know, if, you know, for anybody who's reading up news online about these movies, there has been a rumor going around that Sam Raimi was claiming that because this was a multiversal movie, then we cast uh, John Krasinski for the fans. Mm-hmm. Still speculation, mm-hmm. even though that could confirm that he's just not going to be in the official Fantastic Four movies. It doesn't mean anything, you know? It doesn't confirm anything. For all we know, John Krasinski could walk on stage for Comic-Con next month with Emily Blunt and they, and whoever else they pick for the Fantastic Four, and we're all going to cheer and scream like a couple of babies. It'll be amazing. But if not, then, hey, at least we were given the opportunity. Um, and also, yeah. the idea that, you know, once we all saw John Krasinski as Reed Richards, I feel like everything kind of died down about the idea of Emily Blunt being you know, Sue Storm and Reed Richards being John Krasinski over and over, like the hype, I feel like has toned down, which I'm assuming is what Kevin Feige had in mind of like, okay, let's just, let's let everybody be happy. Maybe a lot of people are like, oh, I've seen, okay, we've seen him, great, you know. And that's how I feel about it. Like, okay, great, we've seen him as Reed Richards. You know, if he continues to be Reed Richards at this point in one way or another, sure, that's fine, let's see what he does. If not, I'm ready for someone else. Yeah. I think I'm if fine. anything, uh, if anything, uh, John Krasinski has a very good eye also for how to direct family films. If you look at A Quiet Place, the movie is about family, you know, and he, yeah. he, he very had to different direct, tones, very yeah. different tones. But I think I think if you if you were to cast John Krasinski or pick John Krasinski as a director only and he mm. got to direct the family of Marvel. I think he'd do an amazing job, and I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to do that. I wouldn't be surprised if they did anything at this point. Well, we'll see. I mean, uh, we'll see if if there's anything about that in comic at Comic Con that comes out. We'll we'll see. Well, you know what I what else I hope they start announcing at Comic Con is a little <laughs> bit of Blade action. Yes. Because this past month, Blade has been announced. The start date was announced. So we got this from CBR. Yeah. Blade looks to be coming soon to the MCU thanks to a new production listing for the film's start date. The Film and Television Industry Alliance's ProductionList.com has updated its listing for Blade, stating the film will begin production on July 4th. That's really close from now. That's right around the corner. According to the listing, the movie will shoot in Atlanta, Georgia, like most Marvel movies, of course, course. and New Orleans, L.A. Uh, New Orleans, L.A.? New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> L.A. is the postal code have, for Louisiana. Everybody, all the listeners right now are just face palming. Oh, Kevin. L.A., come on, dude. I How live in L.A., everybody. Kevin. You should be embarrassed. Uh, man. You should feel horrible for this. Outside of the date and location, the listing also has a brief synopsis for Blade that mirrors a reported one that popped up last year. He is known to be a vampire hunter, half mortal, half immortal, who tries to rid the world of vampires as a way of avenging his mother, who was killed by a vampire as she gave birth to him. This, uh, the July 4th start date gives Marvel Studios plenty of time to hit a rumored release date of Halloween 2023. Ooh, how cool would that be? Blade Halloween oh. release date? That you would know, be awesome. I 
that would be the perfect time to release a Blade movie, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I will be honest. I only watched the first movie of Blade back from, I think, the 80s. And I didn't watch 90, the other 98, ones. 98. Was it 98? Oh, my God. Can you can you see how old or how you young sound I am? Like, you sound like <laughs> Tom Holland. You sound like uh, Tom Holland, Peter Parker in, in, in Civil War. Hey, guys, you ever see that really, really old movie, Empire Strikes Back? Jesus, God, Tom, Kevin, you're making guy? me feel old here. <laughs> hey, you know, it is what it is. But okay, that goes to show you, Wesley Snipes is not coming back as Blade. That's for sure. Well, but, uh, okay, so uh, the first two are great. Uh the first film uh, in 98, and then in 2002, Blade Two came out, and that was directed by Guillermo del Toro. Wow. And uh, that one is really good. I'd recommend if you watch if you watch another one, watch Blade Two. And then uh, the third three, one's Trinity, right? Three, yeah, you can skip over that but one. The, is the third one the one with Ryan Reynolds? It is. It's with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> oh, and he's Ryan. actually he's actually very good in it. He's good in it, but... Um, yeah, everything else about that movie is just Well, see, we can't have him in... You know, Wesley Snipes can't show up, because then he would know Ryan Reynolds, because then he's Deadpool. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. You're in a multiverse. Multiverse. You know multiverse. Yeah, hey, multiverse. Hey, we fixed it. Exactly. Multiverse. Hey, who, who everything's knows? fine. Unless, unless, like, Wesley Snipes shows up and he's like, Oh, other Blade, I'm you, but in, an, in from the future, in another dimension... Who knows what that means? The role of the role of Blade will be played by Wesley Snipes, who will be played by Keanu Reeves. Oh God! Or Wesley hey, Mahersha. From, I'm a different. I'm a different Blade. <laughs> or uh, was, was Mahersha Ali never like? Was uh, where am I going with this joke? Uh, uh, all right, let's move on. Okay, no, moving on. Fine. I will I'm sorry. listen. I will say Mahershala Ali. I love him. as I love the idea of him as Blade. And actually, watching Alita: Battle Angel last night. First of all, Mahershala Ali. You know, I I, he's I feel a great like he was, actor. he's great, but I feel like he was wasted in that movie in Alita: yeah. Battle Angel. But I will say there were some moments where he's like wearing the glasses, he's wearing all black. He looked like Blade to me, and I was watching him last night. I was like, okay, I can see this. I can see him as Blade here. Do you think? Do you think that he's too old now, though? I don't think so. I don't think he looks that old to me. I, I think he doesn't I think... look old. That he man doesn't... ages like a vampire. So, he... did you know? Also, fun it's fact: perfect. Did you, did you know that Jared Leto is fifty? Is he really? Dude, is I looked it up. Th- he's fifty, and I was like, I, I thought he was thirty-five. Like, what the heck? Are you he kidding? Looks, yeah, he looks like he's in his thirties. Hey, look, another actor who played a vampire. That's why, if you put, Maybe. if if they end up doing the whole multiversal thing, like if they put uh, Blade versus you know the immortal vampire uh, Morbius. Then two fifty-year-old men are gonna fight each other, and it's gonna be amazing. And they both look like they're not supposed to be fifty, so that all makes sense to me. Hopefully, in five years, they don't all just look, suddenly age really, really crazy. I have a conspiracy theory. I think any actor that's ever cast as a vampire is probably a real vampire. In fact, that's what people look for when they cast vampires in movies. Is like, well, they have to be a real vampire. Yeah, look at Tom Cruise. That's right. Tom Cruise is because look, he yeah, doesn't. He, he, he looks vampire. great. He's yeah. in his. He's almost sixty. That's actually a really great. good point. Almost every actor that I've seen that's played a vampire doesn't age. Why hasn't Eminem done this yet? Or Sandra Bullock? <laughs> Come on, Will well, Smith. Sandra Bullock. Where you she's, at? she's actually taking a break from acting. Dang. Uh, that just that, that came out a couple weeks ago. But anyway, okay. So let's talk about this. Blade uh, start date July fourth of this year. Um, what are your thoughts on this? What do you what what are you thinking? What do you hope? I mean, hey man, I I hope it's good. I hope it's a good fun movie. I personally never read yeah. Blade as a comic. I never I never got to know enough about it except for the yeah. first movie that I watched. 
Um, all I know is he fights vampires, and hey, man, as a Catholic guy myself, yeah. vampires are badass, you know. So get those get those Christian crosses out there and <laughs> turn them into blades and shoot them at the vampires' hearts. Yeah. Like I can't wait. Get, like put some stakes in their hearts and just kill them and say, "May the Lord be with you," or "May the Lord compel you." I don't even know what they say. <laughs> the power, may the power of Christ compel power you. Of Christ the power of Christ compels you. Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I mean, it's not that much news. It's just, hey, this is it's it's starting on July 4th. I'm just glad there's something that has some sort of news that has come out about Blade because this is the first kind of like uh, confirmation, like, okay, it's it is happening. It's yeah. happening. It's getting made because they announced it at Comic Con all those years ago, and then we've heard nothing about it since. Um, but now here it is. It's confirmation, July fourth. So I'm just glad they've announced something that it is happening. They're about to start shooting, um, which kind of uh, resolidifies my excitement for this movie. Like, great, we're gonna see it hopefully next year. Agreed. Agreed. One thousand percent. Well, then what do we got next year? Moving on in the Mar on the Marvel train, we've got. Thunderbolts movie finds director. And oh, here's an snap. Here's an article from Deadline. Marvel Studios' top secret Thunderbolts movie looks to have gained momentum as Deadline has learned that Jake Schreier, Schreier is set to uh, as the director of the new Marvel tentpole. Black Widow scribe Eric Pearson is penning the script with Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige producing. Not much is known about the plot of the film other than it... it revolves around a group of villains who are sent on missions commissioned by the government. Mm, sounds kind of familiar mm, to another DC that property yeah, that we know. Um, another element that remains vague is which characters will be part of this team since the film is technically still in development, though sources say Marvel has been in touch with certain individuals who are already part of the MCU to make sure to keep an opening in their schedules for next summer when it shoots. That said, some of the characters who could potentially be appearing in the film include Baron Zemo, Yelena Belova, Ghost, Taskmaster, the Taskmaster, the Abomination, U.S. Agent, the Winter Soldier, General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. Mm, how is uh, also a possibility since he is the person in the comics who assembles the first team again? How with the passing of William Hurt, but uh, but that is unconfirmed as no deal for any actor has closed. All right, so here we go. First of all. Well, I'll pass it off to you, Kevin. What are you thinking about this? Here's this line from Dead, uh, Deadline talking about this. What are your thoughts? How the heck are they going to bring Thunderbolt Ross yeah, back if the actor know, has passed away, sadly? you know, and Yeah, let, the unfortunate passing. Make sure I, I, we all understand that the actor, we all mourn the actor, not the character, because the actor was a prolific, Oscar-winning, nominated actor who was amazing. Mm. Um, so the fact that he, he passed away of cancer, I believe it was cancer, right? Um, it's just such I a believe so. Yeah, it's a damn shame, and you know we. I wish we. I wish I personally could have seen him in more movies because it's sad. Because as a Marvel fan, this is the only thing I know him through. Um, mm. But it also goes to show that Kevin Feige was really good at casting these amazing, prolific actors from back in the heydays of their time. He yeah. would bring them back and make sure that they're the best ones for the job. Um, so thank you, Kevin Feige, for everything you've done for us, for the casting choices you've made and everything you've greenlit for us. Because if not for you and the casting department, we wouldn't have amazing actors like our, our guy who plays Thunderbolt Ross. Very true. By the way, he did pa he passed from complications with uh, prostate cancer. So, Oof, yeah. man. Yeah. I gotta, yeah, ha that's... I, 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 there's no doubt if he was still alive, he would be in this movie. 
Yeah. This would be, in fact, I, I almost wonder if, it, I mean, the Thunderbolts, like this, he would be the headliner, you know? Now, you know, there's got to be a reason why they're still doing it, though. Like, they, uh, to me, what it tells me is that they, they have found a way to use the character still. Which, you know, if, if we're going to compare that to something like Wakanda, you know, like with Black Panther, like... We I'm see so if we gonna... see Chadwick Boseman's face, then yeah. we all will be like, "Dude, what are you doing, Disney?" So in my head, the, the only way I've been able to correct this news statement is that if Thunderbolt Ross comes back, he will stay as the Red Hulk. That's what I think because I know we haven't all seen mm-hmm. She-Hulk yet, so it's all up in the air what they're gonna do with those characters. But we do know that in She-Hulk, we are going to see Red Hulk, and so Thunderbolt Ross will become the Red Hulk. And I'm assuming what they could do is he stays in that form for the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Possibly. Um, and maybe what? Just cast a sound alike to do his voice? Cast a sound alike or, hey, change his voice to sound like something that we won't recognize to be the actor. Yeah. Um, yeah. That way it's, it's a good way to at least pay an homage to the, to the character. Um, but he's no longer going to be the the Secretary of State of the United States, you know. Right. Now he's just going to be this one of the leaders of the Thunderbolt uh, they w- group. They they would have to do a lot of off screen explanation about how he suddenly Red Hulk, uh, how that happened, why that happened. But I mean, that could be a potential route they they choose to go down. Um, first of all, can I just say this is kind of funny because this article came out. Um, uh, what, what? How long ago? This this came out on on June 9th. That's the first. You're these guys at Deadline. Uh, you buried your lead, guys. First of all, wait a minute. A Thunderbolts movie is happening. Let's just let's just chew on that first. I think it's c- kind of funny because I feel like they buried their lead. Oh yeah, the article is like, oh yeah, the Thunderbolts movie found a director. Hold on, wait a minute. Stop the presses. Thunderbolts movie is happening. Let's just mm. talk about that first. Um. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, Thunderbolts movie is happening. Um, we kind of fe- we kind of thought Thunderbolts was going to show up at some point. They've been laying the groundwork for that, you know, and, and putting the the chess pieces out for that. You With know, Louise got- Ann Dreyfus, right? Uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Man, Julia Louis Dreyfus. I got playing- most of her name. <laughs> Can you tell I didn't? I don't watch Seinfeld. <laughs> Hold on, what is? Uh, I got a I, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Right, <laughs> is the character she plays. Yes, uh, she's going around recruiting people. Yelena, U.S. agent. Um, you know, and and then the, what I was hinting at earlier, talking about this, it revolves around a group of villains who are sent on missions commissioned by the government. Hmm, sounds a lot like the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping though that whatever angle they take on this movie, that it, it's it's a different take, and it's you know stay away from the tone of Suicide Squad because it will instantly be they'll be compared. Um. So yeah, yeah I, it's I, it's I, it's really hard not to compare it to Suicide Squad. Uh, mm-hmm. We, by the way, we've got two Suicide Squad movies now, and so we've got two of them to compare to Thunderbolts, and we know Thunderbolts is basically the Suicide Squad of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing, that, the only reason why I'm I'm kind of concerned about this movie is because when you look at the Suicide Squad, they're called the Suicide Squad. You know that most of them will die. You know, right. like a ton of them die in these in these movies or in the comic series or in the shows. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have the Thunderbird Thunderbolts and you see the characters that they have there, I can't imagine any of them dying. I, I, I just don't see it happening. 
And I also, I, I, I don't see the MCU killing off characters as often as they should. Um, right. Look at all the characters that the MCU has tried to kill off, but then not really. You know, you got right. Loki who comes back from the dead. You got Gamora falls down a, a giant mountain for the Soul Stone, but now she's back as another version of herself from another timeline. Vision. Vision is a robot. You know, the only thing we've got at the moment is Robert Downey Jr.'s death as a hero who Which he snaps his I, fingers, and there's probably rumors going around might that eventually come back. he'll be back. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Robert Downey Jr. come back at the end of the entire MCU, like, all the movies, the, the complete ending of the first, you know, generation of the MCU um, before they reboot the MCU again eventually in 10 years. Yeah. But even that is like... I, I just uh, I just don't think that the, the Thunderbolts have what it takes to kill off those important characters like Yelena or the Winter mm-hmm. Soldier, maybe. Or I don't friggin- think they will. I don't, I don't think they will. Yeah. I, th- I think this will, you know, this this is a very different, you know, this isn't the Suicide Squad. So I feel like they'll continuously be used, you know, the, the uh, uh, for missions and stuff like that. I don't think they'll kill them. Um, first of all, they're not prisoners, right? They're not these are these are the villains, you know, are kind of out and about. They're not prisoners. The whole idea about the Suicide Squad is they're kept in prison, and they're let out to do these missions. And you know, if they go rogue or whatever, they kill them. Mm. Um, and then after they do their missions, they're put back in prison, right? These are these guys are kind of out and about, so they're not being held captive or anything like that. So there's no, you know, there's no no need to take that angle with that. But yeah, I I I'm surprised though that they're doing a Thunderbolts movie. I I knew we would see the Thunderbolts at some point eventually, but I didn't know they were going to get their own movie. So this is going to be interesting seeing how they tackle that. Yeah, I agree. I, I 100% agree. Well, moving on here, we got a, another main topic. Uh, we got Disney confirms that Deadpool 3 will be R-rated. This comes to us from Variety. Uh, it's uh, this, I think this was the the Rhett Reese who wrote this, or... The, I think the Rhett Reese is his name, the writer of Deadpool. He wrote, One of the he writes writers, here, yeah. it's these Disney people and these people do things their way. Reese recently told a playlist, and we were used to doing things our way, so there are big differences. But I think the great part is that Marvel's been incredibly supportive. They're going to let Deadpool be Deadpool, you know? It's not like any particular joke, maybe one that they say, you know, that's too far. That could happen. But to this point, it's been nothing but support. It's been nothing but how can we help you? What from our universe would you like to use? How can we make your life easy? And we're going to let Deadpool be Deadpool. We're not... This is not going to be the Disney-fied Deadpool, Reese added, of Marvel's view on the franchise's future. So they're awesome, and now it's up to us to come through and justify that faith. Now, I, I think that's great news. I think that should have been news that we as fans should have expected. And, you know, yeah. when when you're spoiled with two Deadpool movies that are rated R... And you're gonna tell us that you're gonna keep Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool for a third movie. And we're successful. Movie. Some and of the we're most successful. successful rated R movies uh, in history. Um, yeah, you can't say no to a Deadpool three. You know, like that's a it rated R Deadpool three with Ryan Reynolds. Like, there's just so many variables in that equation that mm-hmm. leads us to saying it has to be rated R. Like, it has to be. No question about it. Yeah, and and this news didn't come as too much as a, of a surprise. Oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. I, I, no, we, no, you're good. You're we good. have something else to say. No, I was just going to say, this news didn't come off as too much of a surprise to me. I, I know we've heard Kevin Feige in past interviews say before that Deadpool is the exception, right? That is the only thing 
that they will, I mean, he said that Deadpool is the only property that they will ever do that will have an R rating, and that is the exception. Um, so we've heard him say that before. So it's just nice to hear uh, Rhett Reese also confirm this. And then from having his uh, first-person perspective of working on the film and talking about his uh, relationship with Disney and Marvel and all that stuff and him basically saying, yeah, they're not really they're not really interfering. They're kind of just letting us do our own thing and we're just writing the jokes that we want to write and they're kind of, they're leaving us alone. That is just an extra layer of uh, validation and, and comfort awesome. and like, you know, okay, great, great. Everything's going smoothly. Um, awesome. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm, I'm excited at the prospect of another Deadpool, Deadpool 3, now under the Disney umbrella. I am so excited for all the in-jokes about Disney uh, that are going to come from this movie, all the breaking the fourth wall, talking about the Disney... I mean, there's no reason they're not going to touch on the Disney uh, acquisition of Fox in this movie, and I cannot wait for the jokes that that will be coming from this movie about it. My my big question, other than the whole being rated R thing, is just... How are they going to introduce us to Deadpool in this movie? Like, how is he going to make it into this universe? And I, I'm multiverse. Sure that... Hey, multiverse, multiverse. We fixed it all. Hey, you got, a, you got a problem? We fixed it here. Multiverse. Hey, he, he like messed with the time watch thing that he's got for time travel and just kind of accidentally does. goes into something like, he you does know, have that. Yep. It, anything could happen. You know, look at Loki. He's messing with time as well. So that's another thing. You it know, turns out branches. that that time watch uh, runs on uh, uh, quantum energy. Yeah. I don't know. They might retcon something like that. Definitely. Exactly. Right. I think I think it'll be cool. And also the most important thing is what you just said earlier about, you know, they, they're like, please use any character you want. Make as many references as you want. Just Love that. The, the, the world is your oyster. Go for it. I can't yeah. wait for Rhett Reese to show us what he wrote for these for this new movie, because literally the sky's the limit. Anything could happen. Is he going to hang out with Korg? Who knows? Is he going to go around and make fun of Captain America's funeral home or whatever? Who knows? You know, are they going to do a Deadpool versus the, the, the MCU as zombies? Who knows? That'd be mm. cool. But one thing I really want to see is uh, the idea of Deadpool meeting death. Because I know in the comics, there's mm. been this whole thing about Deadpool met death and de- death fell in love with him. Because he's the only person that she can touch who can't die because he's, you know, he's immortal, basically. He's basically a vampire. Ah, no wonder he was in Blade Trinity. Look at that. I will say, yeah, death plays a big role in the comics. Originally, in Thanos' storyline, the whole reason Thanos is acquiring the Infinity Gems and all that stuff is because he wants to impress death because he is in love with death. There's a good and chance that, that... Whole, his whole... Wait, wait. Oh, yeah. Over, under... 20% that okay that that uh death meets Thanos after he died and she makes some kind of Thanos joke to Deadpool if she meets him I mean I'm going to say I'm going to say under yeah all right yeah I'm going to say under I think as funny as that would be I think we're kind of moving on from Thanos at this point well maybe you know if it's a joke something in passing I don't know. It's in a Deadpool movie. Why I not? Mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe, also, o- maybe over. Maybe like 30 to 40%. Pump the hate breaks, Thanos. You know, like Ryan Reynolds made a lot of Thanos jokes in Deadpool 2 as well. That's so, true. I mean, like, it's, He's it's aware interesting. of Thanos. It is interesting that like Deadpool was also making MCU jokes even in the second movie when it belonged to Fox. Um, that's true. So that, that's pretty cool. So the fact that he made some awesome jokes in the second MCU, movie about that stuff. 
MCU and DC Universe jokes. I mean, oh, nothing yeah. is sa- nothing is sacred for Deadpool. God, you're so dark. Are you sure you're yeah. not from the DC Universe? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, that's great. That's awesome stuff. So I can't wait to see this unfiltered Marvel. And it's also really interesting because Kevin Feige is testing the waters to see what it's going to be like to show an R-rated MCU movie to families and people. Uh, mm. How do you communicate with your fans and families and moms and dads? Like, hey, your kid should not watch this specific movie in the MCU. Is Does this mean that this specific movie is going to be like its own thing? Like it's in the MCU, but it, it won't push any other stories forward. It's just a Deadpool thing, which I'm sure mm. is what everybody intends to do with all these superhero movies in general. But it's all interconnected, you know? Like I, I just... Right, right. I, I hope they find a way to make it in a way that everyone can enjoy it. So if that means they have to make a PG-13 version alongside the R-rated version, then, mm. okay, but that's going to take wonder. more money. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they'll do that. I think if they're committing to the R-rated thing, they're going to commit all the way. And, mm. and you know, that's it. Um, and uh, as far as the general confusion about whether this new Deadpool movie is going to be PG-13 or not, uh we kind of had these questions because we're kind of following everything. Oh, yeah. Um, so we know all that stuff. But I don't think, I think general audiences, casual audiences, all right, the first two Deadpool movies are R, this third one's going to be R, all right, cool. I mean, I don't think there's going to be any confusion with, with casual um, mainstream audiences as far as that's concerned. Everybody's used to the idea of Deadpool being rated R. Um, only the ones like us that are following all the news and all this stuff are like, well, they were acquired by... Disney and you know the Disney acquisition was a big thing was a big deal everybody knew about that but we're kind of the ones that are asking well how are they going to do this is this Disney I mean they're going to how are they going to do this is it going to be PG-13 uh I don't think anybody else as far as the casual fans go uh are going to be confused by it yeah you know and also the either way two, like the first two Deadpool movies are R this one will be R I think also just you know to be to be clear to all, all the listeners like an R rating doesn't mean it's going to be good you know, like I, I'm glad it's gonna be R-rated, right. but like I'm, 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 I'm just happy it's gonna be unfiltered. That'll be fun. But I mm. hope the story is good. You know, if if you don't give us something sure. fun to enjoy, then the R-rating means nothing. So mm. let's, fingers crossed that they they come up with an awesome new story and we get to just enjoy the hell out of it. And I'm really looking forward to all the advertisements for the new Deadpool movie. That, I think eventually uh, when it comes out. I've, I cannot wait for the viral marketing for this movie. You know oh. it's going to be so freaking funny and fantastic and brilliant. I mean, already they did they put out that YouTube video with Deadpool and Korg uh, reviewing uh, the trailer yeah. for, for Free yeah. Guy. I mean, that was great. Oh, They've already started so doing that. Yeah. Um, so I just can't wait to see the, the, the marketing uh, campaign leading up to this. So I'm super excited. Yeah. Well, here we got our next topic here. Uh, Raul, would you like to read this one? Yes, so our next topic here, uh, let me see, let me go back to it, sorry I lost it. Okay, uh, next topic here, uh, Kevin Feige confirms that Marvel Studios will be at Comic-Con this year. Oh, snap! Uh, yeah, so the article from Collider here uh, says, uh, Kevin this Feige some... was talking to them, huh? Yeah, this is something Kevin Ke- Feige says, yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah, the quote from Kevin Feige, will be at Comic-Con next month, which we're excited about. First time since we were on stage there three years ago talking about this movie and many others. And now I think almost, not everything, but almost everything we discussed three years ago that was released. So we are excited to go and talk about the future. So, oh, great, yes. Snap. 
Kevin Feige saying that uh, Marvel Studios Marvel Studios will indeed have a presence this year. Um, so seeing this article, I mean, what uh, what do you think? What could they potentially be talking about? What could they be leaving out? Uh, what are, what are your thoughts? I think it's about dang time to introduce us to the X-Men, baby, because you know they're coming now. Now, I know this has been just such a running gag between all these phases of, of Marvel that we've been going through, and this is phase five. We're talking about the future now. So phase five, yep. we, if, we're, if we know for a fact Deadpool 3 is already being spoken about, it's, it's just a matter of fact. It's just, it's just a... It's it's gonna happen. The X Men yeah. are gonna be now in the next phase. Whether it be all of them or some of them, mm. we're gonna start seeing X Men now. And I'm we've already seen we've already seen Xavier. We've already seen Xavier in another universe. So yep. you know. And what's great Spoilers about that? Spoilers for Multiverse of Madness. But come on, I mean, you guys should have seen it already. It's already yeah. in the end. Oh, and listen come to on. our look. Listen to our movie review. Yeah. yeah if you want to listen to our thoughts, <laughs> here we go. Shameless plug. If you want to listen to our thoughts on. De- uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, please uh, listen to our bonus spoiler review of Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, so, but anyways, um, I think now that Doctor, you know, Professor Xavier, not Doctor, how dare I, Professor Xavier, uh, now that he's, you know, been killed off in, you know, Multiverse of Madness, I think it's the same feeling as the John Krasinski thing of like, hey, listen, there's the thing you guys wanted. Now we killed it off. Let's move on. Right. I want to see a new Professor Xavier. I want to see new X-Men actors. I just I just want it to be fresh. I want it to be interesting and new. And I know for a fact that... Well, not, not for a fact. But I, I have a gut feeling that we're going to get the X-Men. And we're going to get them next month. They're going to talk about it. And we will be covering that sometime in beginning of August, maybe, possibly. Well, Who knows? Let's Well, let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, that would be awesome if they start... Intro- I mean, we probably won't get very much of... If, if we get any X-Men news, we probably won't get very much. Probably a little teaser. Maybe they might reveal a title. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we'll see. And as far as what you're saying is concerned about um, Patrick Stewart coming back, I think I agree. I think that's that was the kind of the button on uh, Patrick Stewart's version of Xavier, and you know the man is the man is eighty one years old. Let you know, the man I, rest. Let the man rest, for God's sakes. He's uh, he's earned it. He's earned it. But that was a nice kind of. I feel like that was a nice kind of button, uh, showing that yes, you know what, his version of Pat, uh, his version of Xavier does exist here in the in the MCU multiverse. So it was nice to see. Yeah, I'm ready to see a new version of Xavier now. Kevin. Yes. Do you think maybe they could bring back McAvoy? Could they bring mm. back McAvoy? I mean, he's still he's still young. He can play. He can continue playing Xavier for years and years and years. Or do you think they're just going to scrap that and just start completely fresh? I'll say this: I'm very biased with what I want from this news announcement. Um, mm. When it comes to the X Men. I think the only time, the only reason I would want James McAvoy to come back as Pre- Professor Xavier, is if they introduce us to the X Men through multiverse. Okay, that's what I okay. think. But okay. my biased opinion is I want completely new everything, and I, yeah. you know, again, this is a fan speculation, fan thoughts of how they could do it. But like yeah. in my brain, the way I've always thought that they could introduce the X Men is like Professor Charles Xavier, like after the Thanos snap. Uh, it caused 
gamma radiation throughout the whole planet, and it started changing people's genes. And there were mm. only there were only a few uh, mutants in the past living throughout the planet that no one could know about because Professor Xavier was using his powers to make sure no one could notice those things. Maybe okay. there were like forty of them around the planet just to okay. gather up that he had to get. But so now that the Thanos snap happened, more of them started showing up, and now Professor Xavier has to appear and tell everybody mm. about e- the they mutants and the X Men. They X-Men. can't hide anymore. That's the first time I've heard that theory. I think that's something that's a like theory, the snap. Right? Something yeah. like the snap having some adverse effects on the world and the population. Heck, probably if you, activating their X gene. If you watch. Uh, uh, Avengers Endgame, the way Rocket Raccoon describes to the Avengers about the Snap's power, how he's, you know, he's trying to say like, oh, this, it was this power that was out mm. of proportion that we've never seen in this universe. Then we saw the same one in this other planet, wherever Thanos right. was. Right. There were no people in that planet, but there are people on Earth. So does mm. that have an effect on the human race? I don't know. But and I, I believe think... they did say that, that the radiation was gamma, right? That yeah, yeah. There? I think it I think that would be an amazing way to tie that into the MCU and you know find a way to make this all feel connected and it feels natural and it makes sense that now that suddenly all these mutants are starting to show up. Um yeah. So yeah. That's that's what I think, I, but I like it. That's the best idea I've heard so far. I've heard other people saying, "Oh, let's pull them from the multiverse" or uh, these other theories like, "Oh, they've just been here the whole time and they've been hidden." Like, "Well, how?" Like, you have to explain that. It's a lot that's probably the best theory I've heard yet. Thanos the snap. Everything mm. happens because of the snap, my guy. That's what it is. Yeah, they really do seem to be going in that direction with Phase 4. Like, all these threats happening now are all stem back to the snap, you know, with what was it, the Eternals and the Celestials coming back and all that stuff. All coming from the snap. So, they and you really know, seem to be going back to that well, don't they? One more thing before we move on here is... Uh, Oh, I got a burp first. Oh, do I? No, never mind. Um, <laughs> one thing before we move on is uh, the fact that Kevin Feige, I think, I think this is his way of of basically saying, "Hey, we're, I'm going to make it really clear where the next phase of Marvel is going," mm. because for the longest time, ever since Avengers Endgame came out, we've all as fans just been wondering, like, where is the MCU going now? Like That's Captain been, America's gone, yeah. Iron Man's gone, and you've given us all these movies, but I don't see any Infinity Stones in any movies. I don't see any little thing here and there that all ties yeah. up and connects. But Kevin Feige has been saying that in the, the le- next few projects that are coming out, stuff are gonna, things are gonna start to make a little bit more sense. Yeah. But I think we need him to show up in person now for Comic Con to be yeah. like, listen, let me iron this out now. So now you guys know exactly what, where we're going with this. I was relieved to hear that when Kevin Feige said that, that yes, we'll, uh, we'll be laying out, you know, we're going to be at Comic-Con, and we're going to lay out and clarify where the future of, of things are headed in the MCU. Because that has been one of my big issues with Phase 4 so far, is the kind of, the direction, the seemingly directionless kind of take on things. We're kind of putting things out here, and there's all these loose threads now, like Thunderbolts, multiverse stuff, celestials what's happening with the gods what's going to happen with the gods and thor like who where's the hierarchy the tva what's going on you know who answers to whom where is this thing going right they've put so many things out there and it's kind of hard to kind of be like put the pieces together but Mm. um which which has been one of my issues because you know only in the sixth film of the uh, phase one you know avengers it was six films in and then we got 
then we got uh, an idea of where things were headed. Oh, this is the Infinity Saga. We're like, I don't know, how many, we're like seven films deep and like six shows in as well. That's a lot of content to consume and still not have any idea where this is going. So anyway, that's just my brief criticisms of of what's been going on so far in in phase four. So I'm just happy to hear this news that, okay, it's going to become a little clear where this is all headed. So, and, uh, and I also yeah. think uh, what's more exciting is everything we've been talking about for the Marvel news today on this podcast. Uh, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about it. So potentially at Comic Con, like, yeah, we all our speculation. It's like it's it's all hopefully going to be answered by we could next be month. getting yeah. There, I mean, all this stuff very well could be touched upon. I mean, we got the Blade stuff, uh, Thunderbolts. Uh, what else? Deadpool three. Fantastic Four, X-Men, oh, this, these could all potentially be talked about. And I am excited for any and all of the news that will touch on any of, the, uh, any of these things. So, yeah, we'll see. I, we'll see what happens at Comic-Con. Comic-Con, um, that'll probably, because that's going to be so much going on next month, um, we're probably going to cover that in a separate bonus episode. Right, Kevin? Yes, sir. So take a look, uh, look out for that uh, after Comic-Con comes out. We'll be dropping a, a bonus episode just covering uh, Comic-Con. Um, so look, looking forward to talking about that. Well, without further ado, we're done talking about Marvel news now. That, that's <laughs> the whole Marvel chunk that you guys needed to hear today. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed it. But we're done talking about Marvel. And you know what? We're probably at the halfway point. So why don't we talk about some ads over here? Raid Shadow Legends. No, we got nothing, guys. I'm kidding. We we have. I was wondering, like, did we get sponsors? <laughs> we and get, I we have know? no sponsors. We are very, very not. How cool. did that happen? You know, yeah. it, it happens. That's, that's just how it is. But <laughs> just kidding. Nobody. We got uh Manscape. Uh, no, not even that. I don't Nobody know. sponsor us for no, the love yeah, of please, God. Please sponsor us, someone. <laughs> Next topic we got here today <laughs> is actually uh, Lord of the Rings. We got to talk about some more geeky stuff, everybody. You thought I'd get away from that stuff, didn't you? Uh, You were wrong. Lord of the Rings. Do you even know what this show is called? This is the real geek news, guys. (laughs) Come on. Lord of the Rings, Ring of Power, planned out for five seasons. Uh, This comes to us from Screen Rant. The showrunners for the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, recently sat down with Empire and explained that season one would directly set up season five. Payne detailed that they had mapped out the entirety of the story and know every major plot point throughout the series. Payne goes on to say, We know what our final shot of the last episode is going to be. The rights that Amazon bought were for a 50-hour show. They knew from the beginning that was the size of the canvas. This was a big story with a clear beginning, middle, and end. There are things in the first season that don't pay off until season five. Hmm. There's so much to unpack there. Um, yeah. And I think as, as someone, we're both, Burl and I are both huge Lord of the Ring fans. Yeah. Um, and so this is just so exciting to know that they've basically already greenlit five seasons because they're like, listen, whether or not this fails as a story, we're going to tell the entire story. So it's going to be damn good. And we're going to make the best that we can make it. So I'm I'm just over the moon about it. I can't wait to see what they come up with. And yeah. just knowing the, the, that just that last sentence, there are things in the first season that don't pay off until season five. 
make me so happy to hear because we're constantly watching a lot of streaming shows right now where when they do week by week basis, a lot of fans online jump to conclusions after two episodes and they start <laughs> hating on a character because they're like, oh, this character's pointless. Ah, Watch <clears throat> the whole thing. This is like yeah. the precursor. This is the guys telling you, listen, some characters or some things might seem like they don't matter in season one. When you watch all of season one, you're going to be like, what was the point of that then? Yeah. It will make sense. And so I, they've already hyped me up to a point where I'm like, I'll give it a chance. I will um, give it a chance. Let's see how many years they make this go off with and make the best out of it. Raul, what do yeah. you think? No, I think this is awesome. I, um... So you guys know, Kevin and I, uh, we actually, a while back, we actually all got together with some friends and we did uh, a weekly uh, marathon movie night of the first three Lord of the Rings films. And, Director's um, Cut. The direct, the extended editions, and uh, we did it, you know, every Saturday we all got together at my house and we would we watched uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, and I hadn't seen the trilogy in, in quite a long time, and that just kind of rekindled my love and appreciation for the Lord of the Rings films, especially watching it with a group of friends. And we were all talking about it and dissecting it and kind of uh, really getting into the geeky, nitty-gritty details about it. Oh, and yes. uh, it really just rekindled my appreciation for this, uh, for the Lord of the Rings. I'm excited. I'm so excited about Rings of Power. Uh, in fact, I'm hoping we might, we're talking about potentially doing screenings again once Rings of Power comes out and our same group of friends, we all come over and we watch the episodes as they drop. Um, so that'll be exciting. I love this idea that they've got it mapped out. They've got the show mapped out, you know, um, down to the, right, didn't they say down to the last shot? Down to the last At the last very shot. last, that is insane that they know that much um, I've never heard of any TV show that is planned out that far in advance, let alone the last shot of a show. Um, I think this is cool. I've been hearing a lot of people complain online about like, oh, but you know, if you'd plan out like that, then you can't adjust for like, you know, th things you'd have to be flexible for things that might happen. Like maybe a character ends up not being popular and, you know, you can't like rewrite that and all that stuff because you've got it all planned out. Well, you know what? I mean, I don't. For me, at least, I'm hoping that, yes, they've got the broad trajectory planned out, but I'm sure they can be, fle hopefully they can be flexible enough to change things along the way as the audience response is is coming in about it. So, um, I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with planning out a show like that. Certainly, we've seen what happens when the opposite happens. I mean, everybody remembers Lost and how that just kind of, went all over the place and they didn't know what they were doing. They even admitted they didn't know what was going to happen at the end. And that just like, it was just so confusing and people were lost watching that show. See what I did there? <laughs> so that's just a, <laughs> you gotta, I wish you I gotta, had a sound effect. You don't right have now. that. How can you not have, of all I'll the sound you, bites. I'll give you a cheer. I'll give you a cheer. <laughs> Woo, that was really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank, you. thank you, thank you, thank you. Wonderful joke, wonderful joke. I'll, Very good. I'll be here all night, folks. <laughs> Okay, you can stop. Okay, yeah! uh, no, so that's uh, <laughs> so I'm excited for this. I think I think it's great that they have a show planned out like this, and um, yeah, I mean, it just tells me that these guys really care about what what's going on, and and they really care about putting all their their effort and thought into this show. And uh, we even heard recently, right, that uh, George R. R. Martin of uh, of Game of Thrones fame actually mentioned something. He was praising uh, what he was hearing. Somebody had, I don't know, let him in on some details about the show, right? 
and he came out saying that he was uh, giving it good praises, right? Didn't that come out recently? I, I, I didn't hear about that one, but, I mean, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if he got the chance to look at that. Am I mixing that up with, with him talking about the, you, the Game yeah, of Thrones you, show? You might be, yeah, you might be mixing it up with his own show, because he, he's got the, 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 the new, you know, Ty, Tygerian, Tygerian? No, uh, Targaryens, the, the yeah. House of Dragon, Game House of Thrones of show. Yeah, I, where, I know that, and... I'm not, trust me guys, I'm not mixing up the Lord of the Rings with, with <laughs> Game of Thrones. I just thought I had heard somewhere that George R.R. R. Martin uh, commented on the Lord of the Rings show and was like, hey, I wish them the best. It looks like they're doing a great job. You know, I thought it was one of those things where, hey, look, we're there's room for all of us here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, hey, if it makes you feel I could, better, I, I thought Robert De Niro was in the first Godfather movie, so I might be wrong about that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, okay. But, but anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. What do you think, Kev? I think it's going to be great. I think, uh, to me, I, I correlate it to Star Wars because, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan. And when you see episodes <laughs> 7, 8, and 9, like, you, you watch 7 and you're like, oh, man, this story, ah, cool, I'm so hyped about this. But then they were like, we don't know where Star Wars is going. So we didn't plot that through. Or if we did, yeah. we kept changing it because of what the fans were complaining about. And then that you yeah. see how that ends up. So I, I personally like the idea of standing your ground and saying, the story is done. What's done is done. It, it's refreshing. Look, look at look at Tolkien though. When Tolkien was writing Lord of the Rings, the first book, that was hours of reading and hours of a film. Like you don't get to watch that many hours of a film and go, "All right, Tolkien, I think in your next book, I think you should do this." this. Well, first of all, there were no movies when he was writing all the books. But his fan base, I'm sure, wasn't as reactive as we we are now as a community that watches these movies and TV shows. Um, he knew what his ending was going to be. The characters, it, he doesn't care how you feel about the characters. If he needs them to die, he's going to get them to die. Yeah. Same with George R.R. R. Martin. It's not like it's not like this hasn't happened. This hasn't happened before. I mean, there's shows that are that have been out there that are based on literary works and things like that. So essentially, you already have a map planned out, and then you're making the show. And of course, they take liberties along the way and listen to audience responses. Of course, you can't. Uh, include Game of Thrones into that conversation because George R.R. <laughs> R. Martin still hasn't finished the books. So they had to they had Damn no game. choice but to just kind of do their own thing. But there's precedent, right? There's precedent for this where TV shows um, are based on something that's already established, an established story already. So I don't understand why people have uh, complaints about this. It's it's already mapped out. And of course, I'd like to think that they'll be flexible enough to change things as, as they go on. But it's like I said, it's so refreshing to hear this. I agree. I 1,000% agree. I can't wait to see it. Um, here's to, fingers crossed, I never want a project to be bad. I always want everything to be good. Of course, So, yeah. please, Amazon gods, make it the best project you possibly can. Like, I, I know that there's been complaints about, like, oh, well, you, you can't make uh, the dwarfs females without beards. <laughs> stuff like that. I'm like, listen, there's some stuff that I'm willing to let slide because at the end of the day, I just want to see a good story. And if I'm if you're trying to introduce new fan bases and they introduced you to a dwarf without a beard, they're new to the fan to the franchise. They don't know about that stuff. They're not going to know about these this crazy lore that they they need to know in order to understand the story. Heck, I wouldn't as a producer, I wouldn't want to make a story and be like, "Oh, by the way, before you watch these episodes, you have to learn like 400 hours of Lord of the Rings lore before mm. beforehand. Who would want to do that? That sounds super hard and difficult. I think at the end work. of the day, what matters most is the story 
And is yeah. it captivating? Is it something that's going to be fun for you and your family to go watch and your friends to all binge watch? You know, it's also the other thing. It kind of reminds me of Star Wars in a way, because when you look at Disney with the way they've handled Star Wars, they've had to bend the rules a lot with their lore because there's so much lore to know about Star Wars that when you come up with a new story, suddenly now you have like 50 million fanboys who are like, um, actually, Luke doesn't really say that line like that because, you know, back in comic book 62 of, uh, you know, the Star Wars comics from the 80s, uh, like, you know, like there's there's always going to be something. Yeah. And it's like, we, we got to like let that stuff go sometimes, especially if it's not the mainstream information yeah. that we're supposed to know for these storylines. Uh, I know a lot of Star Wars fans might hate me right now for saying all that, but like, it's it's the truth. I think good storytelling needs to be good storytelling. And, you know, it's great that we use the sources. We use your sources and you learn from those and you add those to the movies. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But every now and then, it's okay to let that stuff go and just say, okay, that's what the story is for this movie or this, this show. Yeah. Move on and enjoy it while you can. And I also end it with this. I really like Kenobi, the new series, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. And there's a lot of people that hated on it, and I'm like, ah, oh, come on, guys. And this is the same type of reason why. Um, so going back to Lord of the Rings, guys, when it comes out, give it a chance. I'll give it a chance. If it's bad, it'll be bad, you know. But at least yeah. we know it's not the end. They've got time to make up for whatever we think has a, a problem with the whole thing. That's all I got. Oh. I don't know. Uh, I, I agree. Perfect. Perf- well said. Uh, yeah, okay, let's move on because we're, yes, we're getting short on time here. here. Let's <laughs> well, see. what do we got? Uh, so the next announcement, we got some Joker 2 news. This is another big, uh, another big deal. So uh, a while back, IGN, uh, here's an article here from IGN talking about uh, the Joker. Todd Phillips uh, put a post on Instagram uh, releasing information about the Joker sequel. And here's a quote from the IGN article. A Joker sequel is quickly is officially in the works, and director Todd Phillips has revealed the title for the Joker sequel will be Folly Adieu. Uh, while plot details are scarce, Folly Adieu is defined as a psychological disorder where the same or similar mental disorder affects two or more people. Two. Hmm? Given that the Joker is known for having a psychologically dependent relationships with characters like Batman, and Harley Quinn, this yeah. title seems fitting. And of course, uh, yeah, Todd Phillips put up a, a post on Instagram showing the uh, the cover of the, the script and showing the title, and then uh, another picture of Joaquin Phoenix reading the script. So that's really interesting. But that is not all. Uh, maybe a, a few days after that, uh, the, TA, the Hollywood Reporter came out with an article talking about Lady Gaga is in early talks to star opposite Joaquin Phoenix in director Todd Phillips' Joker sequel. The 2019 Oscar-winning $1 billion Warner Brothers hit based on the DC character. Details on her character are being kept under wraps, but Joker is known for his on-and-off abusive relationship with Harley Quinn. It is unclear whether Phillips and company are using other DC characters or striking uh, striking on their own, as they did in many instances with the first movie. If a deal makes, Gaga would play Quinn. But wait! That's not all! That's not all. Sources say the sequel is also a musical. A musical. A musical. Um, All right. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of stuff to unpack there. A lot of uh, big info dump. Kevin, what do you think about all this? I believe that when we first heard the title of the new movie, it I instantly was like, oh, it's it's with Harley Quinn. They're introducing Harley Quinn. Mm. And it makes a hundred percent like all the sense in the world to me 
Uh, of course you have to introduce Harley Quinn. Uh, the only thing I have to say is uh, Harley Quinn, lately in mainstream media, uh, we've been portraying her as this this woman who is like, I'm done dealing with the Joker. I'm going to be a new woman and be my own woman and be an independent lady who no, don't need no man. I respect that, but I also think that that's not who Harley Quinn is, especially right. in the comics. And I think we haven't really seen that side of her in mainstream media. So mm. it'd be really interesting to see the relationship between Harley and the Joker in this movie, mm. because let's be honest, if they're both going to be in the movie and they're both the ma- they're they're both going to be leads, they have to love each other throughout this movie. This can't just be this on and off mm. thing and I'm over you situation. We have to see their poisonous relationship because yeah. you know I get it. Like a lot of people got upset that Joker treats her so poorly, but that's the point. We're supposed mm. to see how poorly she, he treats her and how poorly she treats herself and how poorly their relationship just is all together. They're not good for each other, but they're also so bad for each other that they're great for each other. Yeah, and that's for sure. messed up in its own beautiful way. And I think the fact that they're bringing in Lady Gaga definitely confirms that there's going to be a musical version of this movie, um, which I will that's be awesome. more than happy to see. If I if you got me to see Harley Quinn played by Lady Gaga and she gets to sing a rendition of something of how much she loves the Joker, sign me up. I think it'll yeah. be great. I after seeing movies that she's been in and and gotten nominated for Oscars for, I have no doubt she's going to be awesome and I know Todd Phillips has a great plan for her. But what yeah, about I, you, Raul? What do you think? No, I love this. Yeah, the 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 title of the the film came out, and everybody was speculating, "Ooh, is it going to be Harley Quinn?" And then uh, Lady Gaga. Although this is confusing, uh, the Hollywood Reporter does say, "You know, Lady Gaga was in talks to start," but then they say details on her character are being kept under wraps. And then it goes on to say, "If a deal makes, Gaga would play Quinn." I'm just to, that it is confirmed she's playing Harley Quinn. Is that, that confirmed? Or is that all speculative? I mean, it it very well looks like it very well looks like she's gonna play. I mean, come on, who else is she gonna play? Poison Ivy. Yeah, definitely Poison Ivy. I mean, this this is I'm I'm pretty sure this is probably this is like this she's gonna play Harley Quinn. But I I just think the article was written a little strangely that they say details are scarce. Uh, We don't know anything about her character. But if a deal makes, she would play Harley Quinn. I'm like, well, how do you how do you know? I mean, you don't. You don't know, no. I mean, we all think, yeah, but you don't know, no, Hollywood Reporter. Anyway, this is something I thought was strange the way they It almost sounds but like yes. a marketing scheme. Like, it's it's the kind of thing where, like, it's almost like the rumors are dripping so that they, the producers can at least get a reaction from us and mm, know how yeah, we yeah. feel about it. And so if we're all kind of making the connections ourselves and saying, Harley Quinn is, is Lady Gaga, ah! Yeah. Like, they it, can at least not be the ones that reported it that that's official. They're just yeah. saying, maybe, see how you feel about it. Yeah. And the whole thing about this being a musical, when I first heard it, I kind of stepped back. I was like, what? That's that's weird. But the more I thought about it, this this is kind of a brilliant move, isn't it? I mean, it's it's so different because that's the thing. You you know, Joker was so highly regarded, and you know, it won Joaquin Phoenix an Oscar for God's sakes, and it was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Um, how do you top when you do a sequel to the joke to Joker? How do you top that? I mean, there's no way you you can expect to make a similar movie and have it be just as good, if not better. The solution is you don't make the same movie. You make a completely different movie. And make it a musical. So it's brilliant because I, I think 
musicals can can do really well at reflecting you know uh characters inner thoughts and feelings in a very different way than you would than you would in a non-musical film and it's just a different a different way to show the drama that we could potentially oh, yeah. see in the relationship of um the push and pull relationship between Joker and Harley, and I think it's brilliant. And it's, of course, it, it's a musical, and then you're hire, you're, you're getting Lady Gaga involved. Of course, Lady Gaga, a Juilliard trained classical singer. I mean, mm. good lord, she was doing all this pop music until that. What was it like the Oscars or something where she came out and sang? I think what was it, somewhere over the rainbow or something like that. And it's like so. for the first time, I was like, whoa, this girl can sing, man. I felt like that, you know, that movie, uh, Bad Boys, where Will Smith's like, that's how you drive. From now on, that's how you drive. I was like, <laughs> you know what? That's From now on, that's how you sing. Amen. Uh, I was thinking, because she's beautiful voice. And so the thought of Lady Gaga being in this movie, playing Harley Quinn, and having her sing in a musical, I just, uh, this, this, this could either be really, really bad or really, really brilliant. And I'm tempted to think uh, it's the latter. I'm tempted to think it's the latter. Um, you- have you, by any chance, have you seen the latest episodes of The Boys for season three? No, I haven't watched The Boys oh, yet. Oh, Raul. I haven't. There, There's so much I haven't. I've watched all of Stranger Things, but I haven't right. seen finished well, everything else. For all you geeks out there listening who have been watching The Boys and maybe have seen the movie Elvis, which is an amazing movie, by the way. I yes. really, really loved it. Um, Elvis says this thing in the movie where he, he's like, when words can't describe how you feel, sing. And uh, mm. then you cut to The Boys Season 3. There's an episode where they kind of say basically the same thing. And there's mm. an actual musical number after, just so someone can explain their feelings. And mm. I think that episode, like, as soon as I heard about this Joker news with it's going to be a musical, I watched that episode and I was like, oh, I understand everything. They're messed up minds. The only way they can describe how happy something's making their messed up minds feel is mm. by singing, and that's a beautiful way to portray and it, that. And it totally, it totally seems like they're probably going to go in the direction where the musical numbers aren't happening for real. The musical numbers are oh, happening yeah. all in their heads, oh. which is is another part that I that I speculated on that I was like that that that's brilliant too. Like, yeah. it's just showing the messed up psychosis between these two people, and then you know, on top of that, they're they're probably coming up with with these musical numbers all in their heads, and we get to see what that is. You know, um, you know something. I, it, when we saw the first movie of Joker uh, in the beginning that that movie is definitely a character study film and mm. what we what we're looking at throughout the whole movie is the inner mechanisms of Arthur Fleck's mind and what turns him into the Joker and the reason he becomes the Joker is because he finally feels seen and noticed and he can feel wild and free and like all these mm. amazing feelings that he's feeling is making him do all this chaotic stuff now so in the second movie my, this is my interpretation of my speculation is that He's the only one that feels this way. And then he meets Harley. And how do you describe the feeling when everything you've been feeling, you realize someone else has that same feeling too? Like, that's love right there. You feel that instant connection of love. And the only way you can describe that is with musical numbers in your head. And it just makes so much sense for Joker and Harley. That just... I don't. I can't believe I'd never thought of that as an option until now. So I, yeah. I can't wait to see that. And also, I can't wait to get all the songs from Joker Two, the musical. It's gonna be hilariously cool, and I'm sure it's gonna have a lot of funny moments too, because they're two clowns loving each other, messing around. I can already imagine them like strolling through some like lovely date 
park or whatever where they're riding on a swan and as they're kissing each other they're shooting a guy next to next to them and another swan like you know like yeah. cool stuff like that some like, ele- some elements of humor in there too i'm sure cuz Todd Phillips you know before doing the joker he did comedies you know he's directed the hangover films war dogs with Jonah Hill and and Miles Teller uh, so he's known for comedy, so I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of insert little little bits of comedy here and there, little bits of dark comedy, I'm sure, um, in this thing. So, Well, speaking of musicals, uh, our next topic here, we actually have a Disney. Disney hires Guy Ritchie for live-action Hercules remake. Here's a report from Deadline that says, After watching his live-action transfer of Disney's animated Aladdin becomes his, become his first to crack the billion-dollar gross mark, Guy Ritchie is back in business with the studio. This time, he's overseeing a a live-action film based on the Disney animated film Hercules. The film will be produced by Agbo, the production company uh, run by Avengers Endgame directors Joe and Anthony Russo. The studio is in the process of hiring writers after Dave Callahan wrote a first draft. Um, I'm going to say there was a rumor I heard a couple, maybe a year or two ago, of like Chris Pratt being Hercules. And uh, uh, the, the more and more I think about it, I'm like, I feel like they're probably going to want to be more inclusive of, with diversity and actually hire someone who is Greek to be Hercules or something like yeah. that, you know, or, or maybe an, another youthful uh, actor, maybe yeah. Austin Butler as Hercules. Ooh. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. Of, I'm honestly, I'm tired of seeing Chris Pratt and everything. Uh, you know, I, I, I yeah, unknown, unknown actor. And, yeah, I mean, it, he did that with um, Aladdin, you know, casting, casting, you know, um, people who are, you know, of the ethnic background, you know, for that role, uh, you know, being inclusive and diverse in that way. Um, so there's no reason why he can't probably will we'll be able to do that with this. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Did you see the Guy Ritchie Aladdin? I did. I, I did see yeah. it. I, I'll be honest. It's probably my favorite live-action Disney movie that they've made because, really? to me, it felt like they had something different in that movie when compared to all the others that were just like a shot-for-shot shot of the animated films except longer and added extra scenes that weren't as necessary. Um, like, one big thing I really did like about the Aladdin one was uh, Jafar transforming Iago into a giant eagle, basically, that would mm. fly around Agrabah trying to attack Aladdin. That was so cool. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, it's also good that he's staying away from doing an Aladdin two because, you know, Will Smith is the genie and we all know what happened back in March with Will Smith. And, uh, you know, we're going to feel that till August is what I heard. And, uh, you know how it is. So I I think it's good that he's finally moving on to another Disney thing, if not an Aladdin Mm. two. And I have faith that, you know, he'll do a good job and. Uh, I don't think we've heard much else about this uh, news about a live-action Hercules other this, than this. This is the first I've heard about it. This is the first I've heard that they were even doing this. Um, I got I, I don't know. Maybe I have to watch, try and watch Aladdin again because I, I actually, I, confession time, I actually started watching the live-action Aladdin, and then I fell asleep like 15 minutes in. Oh, um, man. I don't know. It wasn't very interesting to me. It wasn't compelling to me, but I didn't see the whole movie, and I was probably a little tired already that day. I mean, listen. (laughs) I ended up falling asleep. I say that Aladdin live-action remake was the best remake. That's not saying too much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a good, it's an okay, decent film. Like, I, I don't mind watching it, but, like, 
it's not it's not the best of the best. If you want to watch Aladdin, watch the original Aladdin, and you're gonna have a really great time because that's perfect storytelling at its finest. You know. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of these remake movies, all of these remake movies are just a cash grab and. They're you know, shot the, for shot remakes. I the mean, best thing you can do is like if you're gonna watch it, just enjoy it. Turn off your brain if you want to watch it. You know because it's not gonna be the same as your childhood. Like I I know a lot of these movies happen because of nostalgia. So if you want to watch that movie again, just watch the original one. Yeah. Don't give any attention to the live action ones if you if you know it's not gonna be as interesting to you. But also give it a chance. If you see the trailer and it looks interesting and you feel like they're going to do something fun with it, then go for it. Um, That's the I, key, I think, is the trailer. Because uh, I'll be honest, this news doesn't really move the needle for me. It doesn't really excite me all that much. I don't know. I'm, I'll have to watch the Aladdin, maybe see if that changes, you know, and not fall asleep this time. Maybe that maybe that'll change something. But right now, hearing this news, I'm not particularly excited about it. I'm just going to have to wait till the trailer. I think that's the key. Yeah. If, if, if I see a good trailer and it gets me excited, which is what a good trailer is supposed to do, then uh, then we'll see. But for, for now, I'm like, eh. Also, let me just say, Hercules only has, I think, two or three songs. They have the, the or four songs, I, I think. So they have really? the first one of, like, the introduction to Hercules. Like, yeah. oh, he was a Hades in the yeah, underworld. Yeah, yeah. Then they got the, the, who put the Herc in the gladiator? And then they got the, you know, uh, Phil training Hercules song. Uh, uh, the one with Meg saying, no chance, no way, I won't say I'm in love. And yeah. then the ending, basically, because yeah. everything else is mostly action. This, that's six songs. Whereas yeah. if you look at Lion King, there's like 12 to 16 songs, basically. Yeah, um, they're all over the place. It all depends on the storytelling. And I think because Hercules is more of an action-based story, there's going to be less musical stuff. So it's less musical stuff to worry about, more focus on the interactions with characters and building stronger relationships um if anything uh i I, you know i'll give it a shot i'll give it a chance if they don't hire danny devito to be phil again in live action you've messed up disney come on i think that would be great i think he could still play phil like he could he could do it live action oh yeah no no doubt he's still around he's still doing stuff he's always sunny in philadelphia he's great on that show uh let him come back and play. Yeah, why not? I mean, they brought for the Lion King. They brought back uh, freaking uh, James Earl Jones to play Mufasa again. Well, then again, you don't replace James Earl Jones. That's just you not a thing replace. you do. No. Look at look at Star Wars Obi Wan Kenobi. They were like, we can't replace him. We'll do AI robot voice of him. Like, okay, no casting an actor oh, for this. Of you're talking about Luke. For for the new Kenobi series, the 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 Obi Wan Kenobi series. Uh-huh. They. They got James Earl Jones' voice, but they used the re-speech. So the the same thing they used oh, oh, for I did Anakin. Not do, I did not know that. No, yeah. It, it, but for that, I didn't notice it too much there because he's like, he's kind of robotic anyway, you know? That's the thing. That's that's why I think it worked. But it, when yeah. you compare that voice of, of Obi, or Vader in the Obi-Wan series right. and compare it With, to Rogue One, uh, and you see the Darth Vader voice by James Earl Jones there, you can hear the, the old man voice yeah, when he's speaking right. and making dad jokes. Careful oh, not to choke oh, on God. your aspirations. Um, yeah. Oh, how did we get? I forgot how we got off on this tangent. You don't replace Danny DeVito, my guy. Okay, right. Don't, don't, don't replace him. So that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, we'll see what the trailer brings. Uh, what, what's our next topic here, Raul? All right, so moving on, we got our next article, Knives Out 2 has a title. Uh, 
Uh, this comes to us from Screen Rant. Uh, they say Ryan Johnson took to Twitter to reveal the news about Knives Out 2 title. The murder mystery sequel is set to be Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, and it takes place in Greece. Um, Peeling back the layers of the yeah. mystery. Ah, <laughs> I'm wondering if that was the if that's the reason for the for the title Glass Onion. We're we're peeling back the layers of this mystery. Yeah. I think um, also like onions smell bad, so maybe. Uh, <laughs> what's the actor's name who plays 007? Daniel Craig. Um, yeah. He he's always smelling something strange in these scenarios, and so I don't know, it's something silly like that. But Could be. I don't know. I don't, I'm, what do you what do you think about this title, Kevin? I think it's. Uh, I think I have no idea what to think about it. <laughs> yeah, we, because we, we can't even speculate on what the movie could be about. I mean, listen, Ryan Johnson, who you know worked on uh, Star Wars Episode Eight, Last Jedi. Uh, he worked on the first Knives Out, and it was a hit. It was insane. I loved it. Was, it. I, it's crazy because a lot of fans hate on Ryan Johnson because of Star Wars, but then you right. see this and, and you're reminded, like, guys, he's a good director. He, yeah. He's done his work. And so now Netflix has given him the opportunity to work on three more of these movies of mm. Knives Out. So this is his next one, and this is a three-movie deal after the original one. So there's four so movies all together. Four movies total? Oh, wow. Four movies total, and this is the first of the next three films that Netflix mm. has paid him, I think, like $400 million. I might be getting my numbers way off, Nuts. but like they paid him a ton of money How to make these. How is Netflix making money? My God. I have drugs, hardcore drugs. That's well, they're going to start the doing. ad tier. They're going to start that ad tier soon, so that's probably how they'll recoup all that. But, yeah. You know, uh, it's called tears because it's going to put tears in my face. Um, yeah, but I, I think <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that, like, uh, the next Knives Out movies, I, I don't know what to expect from them because it's just it's all mystery killer stuff. Like, it's yeah. whodunits kind of movies. Which I love. I Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... Th- Go ahead, sorry, Kim. He's great. I th- I think Ryan Johnson's good at doing them. So I I don't know what to expect from Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, but uh, hopefully I I'm I'm gonna assume Glass Onion is like it's like the Pink Panther, where it's like the the ring is called the Pink Panther. It's some yeah, yeah. diamond that's called the Glass Onion or something like that. And who killed the person and stole the Glass Onion? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Which hey, I, I'm down for, and it's gonna be on Netflix, so we we can stay at home and watch it. So I think it'll be a fun time. But what about you, Raul? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This news doesn't really do anything for me. It's like okay, it's a title, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. We can't really, I, I. Don't know what to get from the title Glass Onion. What does that mean? That in itself is a mystery, but like, I don't know. I'm kind of, I don't know. I kind of cringe when I hear titles come out and it's like main title and then the subtitle is a such and such story or a such and such mystery. Like, I still, I still don't, I'm not crazy about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Solo, a Star Wars story. It's just like, just call it Rogue One. Just call it Solo, which is what we, we collectively do anyway. But, um, yeah, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. It's like, all right, whatever. I mean, I don't know. I love the first Knives Out. I thought Knives Out was great. I remember that was the last movie Louisa and I saw in the theater before the pandemic hit. Yeah. So that was the last movie we saw. And then I think, uh, what, Spider-Man No Way Home. It wasn't until then that I went to the yeah, movie theater. Wow, man. Yeah, or no, well. Eternals. Eternals. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. what it was. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of the first one. I love 
love mystery movies like this, like Agatha Agatha Christie style. And that's what this is. This is like an updated take on an Agatha Christie style movie. Um, I love these kind of whodunit murder mystery stuff, whether it's leaning more towards dramatic, like, uh, you know, like, like I think Murder on the Orient Express, whether it leans a little kind of uh, comedic or like, like the first Knives Out has a little hint of comedy or even Clue, Clue the movie, the 80, the 1985 movie. I love Clue. I love the, the mixing of the whodunit mystery with some comedy and stuff like that. So I love this stuff. So I like the first one. I'm excited. I, I I can't wait to see what this movie is about. Again, like I said, the title really does nothing for me, but I know what I'm getting with a Knives Out movie, and I'm sold. Yeah, and I, and I think the biggest part about Knives Out, just in general as a, as a film franchise, is the fact that the, just based on the first movie, they had a star-studded cast. You know, yeah. they, this cast is incredible. Yeah, you know, who's Jamie Lee be in Curtis, this one? Yeah. Evan, uh, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, freaking everybody, Daniel Craig. Like, there's so many different actors in it that you recognize. Uh, so I, I'm sure that Glass Onion's going to do the same thing. Uh, once once people get invited, like as an actor, as a celebrity actor, if you get invited to be a part of this movie, you already know what that means based on the first movie and how much attention it got. So you're going to want to be a part of these this franchise, you know? By and the if, way... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. no, no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. I was gonna. I was just gonna mention. By the way, here is the cast that that I've looked up here uh, for Knives Out too. We got Daniel Craig, of course, coming back as Benoit Ooh. Blanc, uh, Ethan Hawke, nice. Jessica Henwick, Jessica Henwick, who we recently saw in uh, Matrix uh, Resurrections. She was uh, Colleen Wing in Iron Fist. Which say what you will about Iron Fist. Iron Fist, I, a terrible show, but she was a great highlight of that show uh katherine hahn edward norton kate hudson dave batista janelle monet leslie odom jr i mean this is a star-studded cast like the first one so uh really cool to see it's great i i think yeah. that's gonna be awesome like i they, they find a way to hype us up every time for them so i can't wait to see what they come up with and uh man ryan johnson is getting his money's worth that is for sure but uh hey guys our final topic for the day today is uh, we got Squid Game Season 2 being greenlit by Netflix. This comes to us by Vanity Fair. Squid Game, which tapped into our societal dystopia and became Netflix's most watched series ever, has gotten the green light for a second season. In a letter to fans, show's creator Huang Dong-hyuk confirmed that a whole new world, a whole new round is coming before tossing out some breadcrumbs for what the next installment may entail. It took 12, this is something he said, it took 12 years to bring the first season of Squid Game to life last year, Huang began, but it took 12 days for Squid Game to become the most popular Netflix series ever. God. As the writer, director, and producer of Squid Game, a huge shout out to the fans around the world. Thank you for watching and loving our show. I think that's going to be fantastic. Um, I'll be honest, uh, I, I every time something gets this hyped up and so amazing and fun to watch um it almost makes me want to lower my expectations for a sequel because the first one's so good the first season's it? awesome yeah how do you top this there, there you know season one ended in a way that gave us a couple of cliffhangers and was like oh maybe something will happen with this character now but you know, i don't know like I, we'll have to see what kind of new games they come up with because i feel like one of the biggest parts about squid game was the children's games that these adults would play. Yeah. Um, also, fun fact, did you know that I think they're, they're trying to do a, a, a real-life television show based on Squid Game? Yeah, a, where a, they a game show. 
a game show where they yeah. they play the same types of games except you probably won't murder those people so <laughs> i'm not sure say, can you imagine <laughs> I'm not uh, sure how that's going to work. How, how do you do that without, because that's kind of part of the whole deal <laughs> with Squid Game is anybody who loses, you you die. So They're like, can I you sign know. this contract in case you die? Like, <laughs> yeah. can we kill you? Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. you can't do that. That's crazy uh, talk. Yeah, well, that's so weird. Yeah, Netflix coming out with a game show like that. I don't know how they do that. But I got to fin- I didn't finish Squid Game. I, I started watching it, and then I got out of it for whatever reason. But uh, I, I got to finish that. But... I will say that those are some interesting questions that are brought up is, is uh, what you were saying about um, how do you top it, A, and B, how do you make it different? Because there's risk of a season two of Squid Game, there's, there's risk of you falling into this trap of seeing the same old thing again, because mm. that is the hook of the, the whole show. It's, it's the games and, and, and you know, people dying off and like how do you do that again with a season 2 without it seeing redundant seeming redundant yeah no exactly i think i think it's we've seen you, it all before yeah that that's totally it like, you got to have a new hook to it like we we got the first hook already that it's all about these kids games except you die if you lose well you're just going to do it again i think it's going to be more focused on the characters than it is about the games in the next season i, I would assume that's what they would have to do because, you know, they got to give us something fresh and something new to look forward to. Um, so here's to hoping. I, I think the creator of the show, he, he knows what he's doing. And maybe he's had this planned out for years. I mean, he did say here that it took 12 years to bring the first season of Squid Game to life. So it's if it's been 12 years, you've had plenty of time to think about how you're going to top the first season. Um, so I mean, he, I don't know. I, I, it could just be that he had 12 years and he just focused on the first season, you know, and... and he probably never expected it to be as big of a hit as it as it was. So it's like our Netflix is like, all right, you got to write season two, and he's like, oh, um, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe he planned out a second season. Maybe not. But plus, also, how do you make it more contemporary to this day and age? I know that it was pretty it was pretty much mainstream. Like everything about it was pretty contemporary. But mm-hmm. I feel like you could update it even more now. Because if you've had the same script for 12 years, your next story is going to have to be something that relates even more to us oh, as a yeah. society. Uh, the world as a society, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I hope to see that the trailer comes out soon and we get all uh, hyped for it. Um, I, I definitely love watching Korean dramas as well because I'm a, I'm a big Korean drama fan. Um, so, yeah, let, let's see where it goes, you guys. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, cool. we got our we got our final bits here where we're going to talk about our trailers and movies that came out this month. We're going to start with the trailers. Uh, let me just list off these trailers that have come out just this month alone. We've mm. got a second trailer for Prey, a second trailer for Bullet Train, the first trailer, and I believe there was a second trailer also for Black Adam that came out, mm. uh, a trailer for Nope, a second trailer for Nope, uh, a trailer for a movie called Smile. Then with today, we got Hocus Pocus 2. Yeah. And the other, and a little while back, we also got Beast. So, uh, Raul, are there any of these trailers that piqued your interest that you really want to talk about? Um, yeah, particularly Prey, um, and I will say Hocus Pocus too. Uh, if I had, if I had to pick just two, Prey, I, I, I'm. It looks good. The trailers for Prey have been really good, and this this second trailer really intrigues me. I'm a huge Predator fan. I love the Predator franchise. Um, 
the first one is is amazing, and the other ones are kind of, eh, and then you get into the Alien versus Predator series, and it's like, okay, let's let's get rid of that. Um, I actually really liked the Rod- the Robert Rodriguez Predators that came out in 2010. I thought it was really a really interesting and different take on the Predator lore. Um, I know that one didn't do very well critically and financially, but I actually liked it a lot. Um, the most recent Predator that came out in like 2019, I mean 20, 2017 or 2018, um, I didn't like that one so much. Uh, there were some interesting things in it, but I was kind of meh. But I like this. Prey, this is taking it back, right? This is a prequel. Um, we're going to a little bit um, earlier times. I can't remember when it's confirmed to take place. But uh, we're dealing with people, like, th- there's limited technology on Earth, right? We're dealing with, um, uh, and particularly with, with uh, an American Indian tribe that we're dealing with and, and, and a particular character who goes up against the Predator. And all it's like all she's got is, like, bows and arrows. We've got no guns here in the movie, right? Nobody's using a gun. Nobody has this fancy kind of grenades and technology and all this stuff that Arnold Schwarzenegger had fighting the Predator in the first movie. Um, this is just bare bones, kind of basic, uh, we've, we got, you know, bows and arrows and we got booby traps and stuff. And it's just that versus a predator. Hmm. And, um, I'm curious to see what they do here with it. I think it's, a uh, it, it ups the stakes too, because you're not relying on, on fancy weapons, you know, that we have today. Um, so I'm very excited to see what comes of this. Well, I don't know, Kevin, what do, what do you think? I mean, I, I'll be honest. I didn't see the second trailer. I only saw the first one, so I'm I should have I should have watched it when I had the chance. But I, I'm sure it's gonna be fun. I I'm already hooked onto it. I think it's gonna be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to the idea of not having ammunition. Uh, the action looks great, by the way. Like it the looks... stakes. I think be, because of how their lifestyles are, like the the characters that are in it, like the stakes are much higher than what they used to be in previous films. Um, so I think it's going to be awesome and it looks beautifully shot. So I, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but then you also had a Hocus Pocus 2, right? You said Hocus Pocus 2. Yes, this dropped just today, actually. Hocus Pocus 2 uh, teaser trailer showing uh, a little bit of what's going to be going on in the movie. You got some uh, three characters, three teen- teenage characters. They, they bring the witches back, bring the Sanderson sisters back. And I got to tell you, I mean, you see Bette Midler, Kathy Jimmy, and... Um, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker back as those characters, they look like they have an age today. I mean, they I look. Agree. I mean, you can you can tell they're older, but they you based their their acting. They're like right back in it. You can tell they haven't missed a day. It's like they just they shot Hocus Pocus, and then it's like they took like a a year or two off, and they're back filming the sequel after a couple of years. They're just right back in it, and uh, it's really it works. Fun. I, yeah, it, it works really well, and. I, you know, I was, I'm a child of the 90s. I grew up watching Hocus Pocus and my wife and I, we watch it every year around Halloween. Uh, You know, it's, it's just one of those classics that, you know, we go back to again and again. And so this is nostalgic uh, for sure. And um, I don't know, I'm, I'm hoping it's good. Um, We'll, we'll see when it drops on, on Disney plus on September 30th. So um, yeah. What did, what would you think, Kevin? Do you have a chance? uh, that's also going to be on Disney Plus, right? It says September thirtieth on Disney Plus. It is. I think. I believe it's ex- it's streaming exclusively on Disney Plus. Ooh, and Prey is showing 30th. up on Hulu on August fifth. Um, yeah, Hocus Pocus two. I just saw the trailer today. Um, I, I honestly, I don't have much to say. I agree with everything you just said. I, they look like they literally just finished their movie, the first one, two years ago, and then came back. Um, and also the fact that they have like the witch makeup, kind of also 
adds on to that. Yeah, yeah like yeah. It, it hides everything. And, it, and if anything, they're supposed to look like they're old witches if they've aged a lot. But right. you can't tell. Like, it's it's they just part might, of their character. That's true. And the, the same thing in the first movie, they came back and they were so much older. And that, that was the whole thing is they... They looked for children to suck their souls and make them young again. So it, this time they they don't have to wear that much makeup, you know. So, you know, they're old looking. They, maybe as they, maybe they find children and start draining their life force and maybe they'll do some de-aging to them as the movie goes on. I don't know. We'll do you, see. Do you think there's going to be a new, uh, uh, a new number, like a new song kind of thing? Like. Just like the, I put a spell on you, like that whole uh, that thing? Very well could be. I'd love to hear. Uh, I haven't heard Bette Midler lately sing anything. I wonder if she's still got it, you know? Um, oh, I'm sure so, she does. I'm sure. I hope so. Yeah, hopefully. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if they do that. Maybe They probably will. Well, here, for my for my trailer, I, I'm really looking at the movie Smile. Because yeah. Smile and Nope for me. Because the second trailer for Nope dropped... And the last time I was talking about the first Nope trailer, I wasn't impressed. I, I just mm. wasn't getting what I needed. And, you know, it was a teaser trailer. It was supposed to tease me. But I didn't feel teased. I felt kind of just bored. Like, I, I just wasn't interested. Yeah. But then the second trailer dropped, and it actually started giving you a little bit of plot points. And I was right. like, okay, I'm in. I'm, I'm officially in. I think this is going to be really cool now that I actually understand what the heck's going on. Because the uh, worst thing you can do for a trailer is – give somebody something and not really let them understand anything at all. Like, at least let me understand something, you know? But mm. nope, t- trailer two, it did it for me. I recommend you guys check it out. That comes out on July 22nd uh, next month. So we'll be talking about yeah. that at the end of the month, next month, pro- possibly. Um, and then Smile was just this really creepy trailer. Uh, yeah. If you haven't looked it up, don't look it up if you have kids. Please, they you will scar them for life. It scarred me, and I'm like 28, so I, I, I can't. I actually want to watch the movie though, and I usually don't like watching scary movies, but this one really got my attention. So I, I'd, I'd recommend checking it out. But uh, what do you think, real, real quick thoughts about Nope and Smile? Yeah, I'm the same as you. When I saw the first trailer to Nope, I was a little intrigued, but it didn't really move the needle for me very much. I loved uh, Get Out. Mm. Uh, because you know Jordan Peele, of course, is doing is directing this one. Nope, uh, I love Get Out and Us. I was a little kind of man on. I thought I thought it was really good, and then it kind of takes this weird direction near the end that I'm like, okay, this is this is weird. Um, so I didn't love Us as much. So seeing the first trailer to Nope, I'm like, ah, I don't know. We'll see. It didn't really do anything for me. The second trailer, though, I'm like, okay, I'm a little more intrigued now. Um, there's a little bit, uh, there's a little bit more, like you said, we get more of the plot points. There's actually a lot more humor in there than the first trailer showed. And, and I like, I like when Jordan Peele is able to do that very well balanced, that, that balance that he does very well of the horror and the humor. Um, kind of, it kind of grounds it more, I would say, because I feel like realistically, if we were in that scary situation, we would respond probably like the actors do in the, in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think so. I mean, they're they're responding like, oh well, we gotta get we gotta film this so we can sell it. You know, yeah. it's like, of course, that's that's what people would really do. I mean, you know, you see in movies and stuff. Anytime there's a disaster or something, everybody's running away, right? Everybody's running away from the thing that's destroying stuff. But in real life, is there if there's a tornado, 
You see, what are people doing? They're taking out their phones and filming it. Like, it's just good. That's how people really respond to these things now, yeah. I feel like. So, it, yeah, it does add, add that element of, of realism. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what uh, what this is now. After this second trailer, I'm definitely a lot more intrigued. All right, well, next up we got our, our movies and projects, TV shows, movies, everything that's come out this current month in June 2022. We've got Jurassic World Dominion, Lightyear, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the TV series, Stranger Things Season 4, The Boys Season 3, Miss Marvel, the TV series on uh, Disney+, Plus, the movie Elvis, and the movie Black Phone, to start. Um, out of all these movies, uh, I think I asked this last month, so we'll do it again. Out of all these movies, Raul, which one would you recommend that everybody check out uh, based on this? Of the movies or just everything, the movies and the TV shows. Let's do let's do both, uh, movies and then the TV series. Well, for movies, if we're just talking exclusively movies, um, I haven't seen Jurassic World Dominion. I haven't seen The Black Phone. Um, so of what I have seen, which is basically Lightyear and Elvis, watch Elvis for sure. Elvis is so amazing. I I I really love what they did with Elvis because. Uh, I, I'll, I'll get I'll get into I I love um sorry I'm having a hard time <laughs> You're good. speaking my words I'm getting tripped up in my thoughts. Elvis is a wonderful movie because uh, and it tends to and this is coming from somebody who I don't really like biopics that much. Mm. Um, I think there are a couple things that that annoy me about them. Number one, they're so formulaic, and they happen to fall into these biopic tropes. And number two, they're just way too long. Mm. Um, so uh, having said that, Elvis. Still has those problems, but I think what Boz Lerman and his visual style and his flow and his energy makes the medicine go down a little bit for me. In fact, it, the, the, those problems, I'd hesitate to call them problems because I didn't mind them because the, he's got this fast paced breakneck kind of thing going on with this movie and his visual style just like I was engaged watching this movie the whole way through oh, and yeah. I've heard a lot of people complain it's like yeah it's like that the whole way through and I felt exhausted by the end of it I don't know I disagree I feel like he took moments in the movie to kind of slow down when appropriate and so I didn't feel overwhelmed by that by that fast pace that Boz Lerman is known for um, yeah I, I'll admit like yeah. there, there's some scenes in that movie where it feels like it's the end of the movie and then mm. the movie keeps going and you're like, Oh, there's more. But like, I, I think to me, that's what kind of made me think like, Oh man, I'm kind of, I'm getting kind of tired. But the truth yeah. is whenever I watch biopics, there are some biopics that are just so good that by the time they get to the ending, you're like, Oh wait, I don't want it to end yet. Like I want to see yeah. more. Like what? They yeah. didn't explain this part of their life yet. And then the movie just keeps going, and you're like, oh, it's still going. Ah, okay, yeah. I still got it in me. We can watch the rest of this. Let's go. Yeah. And then you do, and, and you enjoy it. It's it's a fun time. Um, I, I actually I agree with you completely this month. Uh, based on these movies, Elvis is definitely the one to watch, especially for families. Um, if you have a big family and you want to go show it to your mom and dad or sister, brother, lover, uh, you know, whoever you got, go watch Elvis. It's really fun. That being said, Black Phone, I actually watched that a couple nights ago. If you like horror movies, then you should watch this movie. It is probably one of the best horror stories I've seen in a while. Yeah. I've heard nothing truth but be great told, things. Yeah, it, it's with Ethan Hawke, and truth be told, it's not really a horror. It's more of a thriller, and uh, it still has its scary moments, but it's more jump scares than it is, like, creepiness. Mm. Um, go watch this movie if you're into that kind of stuff for sure, but Elvis is the number one of the month is what I would say. 
Um, now, based on the TV series, we've got really Obi-Wan. quick. Did you ever? Did you ever get around to watching Jurassic World? Did you I didn't. Watch? No, but I, I okay. man, I sadly, either. we. I heard some bad things about it. Yeah, and I, I, me it too. It just bums me out. Like you know, like when you hear something bad and you're just trying to force yourself to go watch it. I yeah, still I haven't gotten to that position yet. Same, but. same. I, I was. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Maybe, oh, maybe well. we should go watch it soon then, because I don't know. It's uh, it's gonna be hard. I don't know. We'll yeah. we'll see like, if we can get ourselves to go watch we'll it. I have heard a few people say that, like, yeah, it's not great, but I just had a good time. It was fun. So maybe at the very least, I can adjust my expectations accordin- accordingly yeah. and be like, you know what? Let me just have, if I can just have a fun time watching this movie, then I'll be fine. I agree. So we'll yeah. Well, also for the TV series, again, we had Obi-Wan, Stranger Things, The Boys, and Miss Marvel. Uh, Raul, out of all of these TV series, uh, have you have you watched all of them? First, first and all foremost. Right, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm so far behind, and I know for being a co-host of a movie podcast, I'm really not doing a good job keeping up to date on everything. <laughs> I haven't finished Obi-Wan. I haven't started The Boys. I started the first episode of Miss Marvel, and that's, you know, I, I didn't finish any of those. I have, however, seen all of Stranger Things Season 4 Part 1, and... Just because I've watched the whole thing, I'm going to go ahead and say I'd recommend that. It is the best season of Stranger Things since season one. They do such a great job at building the mystery here and really engaging you in the new stories and the characters and all this stuff again. I mean, they they still got it. And it was funny because we it's been so long since we had a since season three came out, you know, the pandemic, it kind of put everything on hold. And I was very concerned. I was like, is anybody going to even care about Stranger Things four again after all this but i i mean you go back to it and you're like watching season four i was like oh yeah i this is that's right this show is a great show i forgot how awesome it is and they just they're firing on all cylinders here with season four again i best season since season one yeah i i uh, i also agree um Funny enough, I watched all those shows except for Stranger Things, so I'm glad <laughs> we're balancing each other out here. We, we covered everything between the two of us, except for Jurassic World. <laughs> I did, however, watch the first episode of Stranger Things Season 4, and ah. I everything you just explained of, like, uh, is it really like worth getting back into? That first episode hooks you right back in. It does. It really I am does. dying to see the next episode right now. Um, I'm watching it with my roommate, and so I'm... I always do this nice thing that I, I wait for my roommate. And I'm like, all right, when you're ready to watch the next episode, we'll go watch it. I um, do that. That's how I am with my wife. That's why it's taking me forever to watch these other shows. Dang, man. Look but at we you. both, we, we both, like, we binge Stranger Things, like, so. But also, yeah. I, I will say, because I've watched all the other ones, out of all of these, if, let's say you're, a, you're more of a family man, I would highly recommend watching Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel is yeah. possibly one of the best MCU shows on Disney Plus that I've seen so far. There's only I love three that episodes. First, I love that first episode. Oh, there's still only three? There's three episodes right now. The fourth one's coming out on Wednesday, or tomorrow. It's Tuesday right now. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I, I, I love that first episode. It was so, oh. it was just so heartwarming. What's nice is like, it's less about the superpower and more about the family. And I think yes. that's really beautiful. And there's a lot of you know, the, the family's uh, Middle Eastern, and so, like, there's a lot of connections that you get from the, the you know, Miss Marvel's family, uh, and you correlate it to your own family, and you start realizing that there, there aren't that many differences in these different cultures other than maybe, maybe their religion or something like that. Um, at the end of the day, we're all, we all care about our families, and we all feel the same way that we do about our, about our loved ones, 
And I think that's a really big, strong message in this series. Mm -hmm. And I would highly recommend checking it out over all of these shows that we've listed so far. Um, Stranger Things, the only reason I wouldn't recommend it as the number one, you know, right right behind Miss Marvel, is just because each episode is so long. They're like a, an hour a, 20, yeah. hour 40 for the final two episodes or something yeah. like that. If you want to watch uh, movie-length TV shows, Stranger Things is the bomb, and I have heard a million amazing things about it. But again, I put Miss Marvel in front just because it's yeah. easier to, 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 you know, uh, let the medicine go down, I suppose is yeah. the phrase. Um, but if you want to watch something that's like more gruesome and more R-rated, you got to watch The Boys. The Boys is going to mess you up psychologically and make you want to watch more. About, I've heard a lot of talk about The Boys Season 3. Oh, There's man, the latest of... episode, Herogasm is what they call I've, it. It's... I've heard about Herogasm, Ooh. yes. Bro, I'm... it's insane. But also, if you're a Star Wars fan, you it is it, it is mandatory to watch yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi. You need to watch that. I need to finish it. A lot of you know earlier, I said a lot of fanboys of Star Wars might hate on me for earlier things I've said, but I and I genuinely believe Obi Wan Kenobi is an amazing series. It's great. It brings a lot to the table, in my opinion, um, and I think it's worth watching. So check it out. Go watch it. Go watch some movies. And speaking of going to watch movies. Yeah. Here's our last bit of the of the podcast. We got the movie of the month challenge. A quick movie segment. We got a quick segment where we challenge each other to watch a movie we haven't seen yet. Next month we. Uh, oh, hey, hold on. I'm gonna start. Uh, I, I think I miswrote my my information on here. But basically, we're gonna challenge each other to watch a movie every <laughs> month. And uh, as we as you saw earlier in the beginning of this episode, I watched The Godfather. Raul watched Alita: Battle Angel. So uh, today I have a new challenge for Raul to watch, mm. and uh, it's going to be a little bit more vague before I make the decision, but Raul, mm-hmm. have you ever watched uh, Hayao Miyazaki films? I believe I watched, years ago I kind of half watched Princess Mononoke. Okay. Okay. I don't quite remember. I don't really remember it though, because I was, it, it, I was in college and I was just hanging out with friends, and it was playing in the background. So I've seen some of it, but I haven't really absorbed it. You know what I mean? All right, then we'll, I'll start you stronger than that. I, I personally, I adore Princess Mononoke, but I, I'm going to challenge you to watch uh, Spirited Away. Okay, that's a great Hayao Miyazaki film. I believe it's on Disney Plus. If not, it might okay. be some other streaming service. But you got to watch uh, Spirited Away wonderful movie and yeah. uh, I think you'd be really interested in it. I've heard great things. By the way, you recommended Alita Battle Angel because it was a manga, right? It was because because uh, so, I'm I'm, start, I'm sensing an anime. Yeah, I'm kind of getting you here, right? more into yeah, this yeah, anime yeah. industry over here. Yeah. Cuz I yeah, it's based uh, Alita Battle Angel is based on a manga, right? It's based on a manga based on an anime. Or no, based on an anime based on a manga. Oh, um, okay. I I think the movie is more inspired by the anime, I would say. Yeah. But, you know, I think one of the reasons why maybe you didn't enjoy it as much is because they crammed a lot of, like, the first season of that show into oh, really? the movie. And uh, that's kind of one of the reasons why dense. I'm like, yeah, like, they, that's why I think a lot of live action anime stuff, like, should be TV series, not yeah. movies. But, I, I, hey. I, I will say I got some heavy anime vibes watching that show. You know, oh, just yes. the way The way the cyborgs look and stuff, I could easily see, like, the look of all these cyborgs, I can easily see that translated into an anime. Yeah. Um, but anyway, okay, so Spirited Away. All right, cool. That's I've your movie. Nothing but great things about Spirited Away. It's always one of the, when people talk to me about their top 
five or whatever recommended anime films to to be introduced to if you've never seen anime before spirited away is always one of the ones that show up at the top of people's lists so Definitely. i'm very curious to watch that Ooh, i'm excited to hear what you say next month about it yeah all right well with that said okay kevin let me ask you something have you watched dr strange love not dr strange dr strange love with gene wilder not gene wilder um Wait, who am Let I thinking? Me, am I thinking Frankenstein, or Frankenstein? It's the it's the movie. No, it's a it's a movie directed by, um, oh my goodness, Stanley Kubrick. It's a Stanley Kubrick directed film. Came out in 1964. It's called the full title is Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. It is a uh, satirical comedy that uh, satires uh, the Cold War. And just the and I think it's a brilliant, brilliant comic sat, comedic satire. Uh, one of the best, uh, one of the best comedies I've ever seen. And I think it's, it's super funny. And it kind of it kind of satirizes just the Cold War first of all, but just war in general and the ridiculousness okay, of it. Don't really. tell me too much about it. I don't want you to no, spoil no, I'm nothing. Just, no, I'm just telling you about just the general things you need to know. Um, just the ridiculousness of war, and I think it does it so well, so brilliantly, and it balances the humor so well. Um, I, I highly, highly will recommend it to you. So I think for the next month, uh, you need to watch Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Not for the next whole month, just once for the month, right? <laughs> you're going to watch, uh, you're gonna watch uh, <laughs> five minutes of it every day. No, oh, perfect! Um, yeah, I'll I'll definitely check that out. That sounds like that sounds like a good time. Don't watch That's a great five title too. Day. Watch the whole thing. <laughs> but I'll be the judge to see if it's funny or not. Uh, I think we'll it's see. one. Of, it's it's one of my favorite all time comedies now since I since I've seen it. Um, all right, it's well, challenge so, accepted. I so I will. Yeah, hell yeah, man! That sounds like fun. Well then, everybody, and with that, we made it to the end. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can follow us on Instagram at Real Geek News. You can also follow our separate handles on Twitter and Insta at Kevin A. Rivera VO and at Raul Ceballos VO. That's C-E-B-A-L-L-O-S. VO. <laughs> yeah, you want to, hey, and listen, if you want to send us a message and just talk to us or ask us questions or just tell us what you're passionate about as, as a movie geek, a movie fan, um, anything you might want to let us know, just feel free to send us an email at realgeeknews at gmail.com. And of course, we'll leave all the descriptions below. So stay safe, stay classy, and most important of all, stay geeky, my friends. <laughs>